why is there a problem with loops? Like, why are there royalty, thousands of royalty-free loops? It is your fucking responsibility to push this shit forward. Like, so, so here's a, here's a, what I think with, with producers. And I feel like once producers find that, then everybody be selling beats. This person said, what's the best way to overcome an unfinished beat? Turn into your shit. They're not going to give a fuck about you when they're 32. But if you if you hit them with some emotional shit when they're 18, they're going to fuck with you for the rest of their life. I still don't know how to get placement. What, what exactly am I contributing to society? They really the easiest to, to hit up because they the ones with like not too many followers for real. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? For the uh, rest of I, love this, I love this conversation, bro. That's why producer grind is the best. Okay. <laughs> All right, before we get into this interview, you remember last interview when I asked y'all to submit loops for this community pack? I do want you to know the submissions are closed. Out of 630 submissions, we picked the 30 top loops. Hardest, most underrated sample makers. And just to show you, man, we went ahead and sent the pack off. We sent it off to Jet, Rob, TNT, Eco, Illmind, Traumatone, Hood Rich King, Monique, Danny, and just a whole bunch of other producers. So y'all go ahead and support those producers, get those loops. Let's get into this interview. Two hours worth of gems. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today, we got a very special guest. If you don't know who Illmind is, if you live in the for rock, you're just going to go through these credits. We got J. Cole. We got Drake. Schoolboy Q. Kanye West. Kylie. Nicki Minaj. Eminem. Logic. Guap Dad. 4,000. Uh, 2 Chains. list goes on and on and on, bro. Like, and we got JB in the building. JB, what's, what's up, good? bro? What's good? Yes, sir. Illmind, how you doing, bro? I'm good, man. I appreciate you guys. I just want to say, Producer Grind is the shit, like, you know, the fact that you guys all put this together and you're all producers, you know, um, is incredible. And you already know I love JB's content. You're crushing it on YouTube. So or both all you guys, man, like you guys, you guys are, are, are killing it, man. So I've always been a big fan. It's always an honor for me to be here. Appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, appreciate yeah. that, bro. Yeah. So, I mean, first interview, I'm trying to remember what we, what we talked about. I know last interview we was talking about NFTs. And I know the interview before that we was talking about Twitch. And one thing I definitely want to go ahead and start off with is I seen you made a post. Uh, this was a while ago. Um, you made a post, and I seen seven digits on there. And I just want to say, like, what is what does it take to like get to that level, bro? You know what? Um, and and, and again, like just to preface, like I posted that, you know, just to just to kind of show that it's possible, right? Like. When I started, when I got into this as a producer, like many of us, I mean, like you guys and probably 99% of, you know, you guys that are listening right now and watching, like we literally started with nothing, right? Like no relationships, no, you know, managers, A&Rs, no understanding of the business, no lawyers, just like you dive in and you download FL or you like start making beats. And literally everything we do as music producers is trial and error, like we figure it out like there's an issue and we're like, oh, shit, we got to figure it out. So in a way, we're like all we're doing is just like figuring out how to do shit all every day. Right. Like from how do I get my 808 to sound, you know, crazy to how do I upload my beat on BeatStars? How do I start selling? And then we and, and it's all these things we have to just figure out on our own. And the reason why I posted that was because I just wanted to let producers know that there is a world where you could start from literally nothing, just like how I did and all of us did, a lot of us, and make, get to that point. And, and, and just, you know, showing people that it's possible to me is so important because like when I was coming up, like I didn't really have a reference point necessarily. Like when I, in, when I was coming up, 
it was like I was looking at like you know Timberland, Pharrell, Kanye, and I'm like, man, how do I get to that level as a producer? And obviously now like times are different where you could literally get to that level, but in all these different ways. Like you don't have to just sell beats to major artists and sign big publishing deals anymore. Like you can, but it's not just about that. So, and that number I posted was literally, you know, just like a little statement of what I've earned over the, you know, a course of time minus the placements. So like that was like, you know, drum kits and all the side stuff that I do as a producer. So I just wanted to show people that it was possible, man. Like there's light at the end of the tunnel. There's a lot of money to be made, but it's really not about the money. It's how can I identify a problem that I'm passionate about that I have a problem with, like something that I'm trying to solve for myself and something that could also help other people. And then how can I present a system that can fix that problem? Right. And that's where drum kits came in. That's where sample loops came in. That's where the producer grind podcast comes in. And that's where solving each other's problems and hopefully inspiring each other to keep helping one another. That's really what this is. Right. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's what I encourage, man. Like identify a problem, jump in, try to figure this shit out and see what you can do. But what was like the first, like, what was the first thing that was like making you money? Was it like beats or was it kits first? I mean, the first the first time I made money off of music was beats. Like I was selling, you know, I did the whole $25 beat, $50 beat here. Um, but when I first, first, first was selling beats was like 2005, around 2005. And, you know, that was like MySpace days. And, like, I was getting paid, you know, cash, Western Union, you know, transfer. You go to the Western <laughs> Union and fucking do this shit. I was doing it. Um, and it was, like, you know, that was the hustle. Um, so I kind of, like, I came kind of came up in, like, the, the, the blog era where it was, like, when Drake was blowing up, Wiz, you know, Currency. Like, that was my generation. So, like, in, that, in doing that, it was, like, the start of, like, Instagram. Facebook was, you know, getting huge. YouTube was getting bigger. Um, and then, you know, SoundClick, it was like, went from SoundClick to like BeatStars. I mean, Abe, I've known for a long time. He started BeatStars in like 2009 or something, 2010. So he was already ahead of the curve. He already knew like what was going to happen. So um, I kind of came in around that time. And uh, it was just, it was always a hustle, bro. Like just seeing the way this shit has progressed in the community um, but the thing that that trips me out is, like, as as crazy as as it is now to be a producer, where you could do the YouTube hustle, you could sell beats on BeatStars, you could, you know, be a loop maker and send your loops to the hottest producers or make all this money. It's like as we're doing this, we're also creating more problems that we eventually might have to solve in the future as well. You know what I mean, like. Like for every new economy that is born, there's a set of issues that comes with it, right? Um, and so I'm fascinated by that. I'm like, you know, why why is there a problem with loops? Like, why are there royalty thousands of royalty free loops on Splice and all these different places that are great? It's solving a problem, but then it's creating a new problem where it's like 
hey, here's a thousand royalty-free loops on Splice, which solves a problem, but then it creates this new problem of, well, if I download that loop and I use it and I get a big placement, but 200 other people already used it and put it up and registered it and got, you know, uh, uh, registered on like, you know, PROs and YouTube, I might get flagged for using that same loop because I used it in the same way that a hundred other people did. So again, it's like, it's like, it's like a gift and a curse. You know what I mean? Like, so I think right now we're in this time where like, we're all just trying to figure the shit out. So you, you were saying like in 2009, that's when BeatStars was started. It's 2021. We got like hella resources, like hundreds of different ways you can add value to your brand, hundreds of different ways you can be more consistent. I would say like people are kind of confused right now. Like, should I use this one or this one? Should I use this one or this one? Would you say in 2009, it was kind of like, it wasn't that many choices? Like, how was that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, in 2009, from what I remember, the only choice was get placements. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't really like a platform to like make a living off of beats, like selling beats to independent artists. Like you had to do, you know, the Western Union shit that I was doing, like under the table, email, whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, the goal for everyone in 2009 was get placements, like try to get a placement with the biggest artists ever and sign a publishing deal, you know? And back then the publishing deals were not good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they were just not good deals, but, um, that was it. And so now we're in 2021. There's so many options, There's so many options. But like I said, man, like it creates like a brand new thing. You know what I mean? So again, it's like, we just continue to just innovate and try things. But at the same time, it's like, we also have to just be mindful of the other side of it. You know what I mean? You got, like you said, man, like there's like a lack of education. Mm -hmm. you know and yeah. you can't blame people for it like where are we going to find the information like even with like producer ground what you guys do and then like all you know just so many producers that are like spreading information a lot of it is amazing but it's like there's not enough of it and and not all of it is super accurate you know what i mean with a lot of great information there's also a lot of misinformation so it's like if you if you go to the misinformation by accident, it could really, you know, take you down the rabbit hole of like a place you don't want to go, you know? So that's the issue right now is like, who, what kind of information is accurate? What works? What doesn't? So it's, it's a wild, wild west right now. So you just have to be mindful. So going back to like, <clears throat> going back to like you and just you being like a seven figure producer. A lot of producers now, they struggling to make their, like, first sale. So, like, what do you think is, like, the biggest, like, roadblock as far as producers selling beats now? Cause it's, even though it's 2021, it's, like, it's way easier to sell beats, but you still have a majority that's, like, really struggling. Start small. You know, like, start with your circle. Like, look in front of you, look beside you, look behind you. Like, don't focus so much on, like, trying to get so big so fast, you know? I think the biggest issue is patience I, you know everything takes a certain amount of time you know there's no like immediate ROI there's no immediate return on your investment for anything you know eat for any industry you know it's like when you think about LeBron and you know why he's the GOAT 
it's like you see his his wins but like you don't see like the 15 years he you know or 20 years he was like you know um staying out late shooting hoops like trying to get better and working on his craft i mean we were just talking about just now like you spent five years punching the bag practicing beats and then you two years ago you just started selling beats so it's like that's what it takes and people think that they can do this pull this off in a few years you might be able to and if you do kudos to you you know what i mean but most of us most things take time so i think that's the key too is like if you're going to jump into this or jump into something like just let it grow like give it some time to grow you have to nurture it you got to water it you know you got the seed you got the dirt just it's going to grow just is if you're there every day you show up and you you water it and you watch it and you nurture it give it a little bit of time and it's gonna it's something incredible is gonna happen so for the people that tb was mentioning like people that have problems getting their first sale i would say i'm gonna ask you a question there's a there's two different types of people there's people that are in a position to invest into their brand and invest into their business and then there's producers who are looking for their their music business to pay for their living you know what i'm saying for the people that do have money to invest into their brand what should they invest into Man, all right. So I'll preface by saying I'm not a financial advisor. Okay, so we'll just he said this last time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a financial <laughs> advisor, but when it comes to money, I think I think it's it's case by case. I think it really just depends on your situation, right? Like on one hand, everyone needs a certain amount of money to just live, right? They they call it I forget what they call it, but it's like the minimum requirement to just like live. So it's like. You know, you need enough money to have a roof over your head and to have, a, you know, a few meals every day, right? Um, so once you cross that threshold, then you start to earn enough income that's, like, considered, like, I guess, extra. So, like, now you can actually live on Earth and not die. Now you have extra money to be able to put somewhere. So I think that it's you just have to really be disciplined and really create a habit of saying, okay, instead of this, you know, $20 that I was about to spend on something I don't need, let me take this and buy a drum kit that'll help my beats. Or let me take this and, you know, um, put it towards just my craft, right? And put it towards my work. And if you do that, you know, you're basically compounding your success, right? Like you're reinvesting back into the thing that's going to make you more money. Right. So it's like you turn $20 into instead of throwing $20 away, you're turning that $20 into you buy a drum kit, you make better beats. And then all of a sudden that better beat that you made sells for $200. Right. So then you just 10 X your 20 potentially, or even more. So as long as you keep reinvesting back in, it's great. And then the thing I learned about money is you're going to get to the point where, and I hate saying it like this because it just sounds so wrong saying it, but you're going to get to the point where you realize that money really isn't that big of a deal, right? And I don't want that to come out wrong because you need everyone needs money. We all need it. We want it. But you get to that point where you realize, like, yo, money is really, like, kind of, like, trash. Like, when you think about it, because it's like, you if you do it for the money, you're just going to get frustrated. But if you do things you love and you actually build credible things or you, you build skill sets, the money just finds you. It, it, it finds you, right? So in, instead of looking for it, you forget about it and then you focus 
on what's in front of you. And then it just like over time, like I said, if you're patient enough, it finds you in all these different ways. Like you get a random phone call or you pull up to a random studio and all of a sudden this artist that you've always wanted to work with is in the other room and they like heard your beat. Like that's called money finding you. Right. Um, and, and that's when you start to really understand like, okay, now I have some momentum. It's things are finding me now. Right. And it never stops. It never stops. Cause once, once the money finds you for the first time, it's going to keep looking for you. As long as you just stay focused, it's going to keep looking. But the moment you try to look for it, it's going to hide. It's going to disappear. Right. So um, that's the biggest thing I learned about it. And, and it's really, really true. Like I was just in the studio with Russ and we were just talking about this whole, this whole conversation was the whole conversation. We were talking for like two hours about it. And um, there's this guy, um, I don't remember if I talked about this last time, but there's this guy named uh, Ken Honda. And uh, he is this sort of like philosopher and um, he, you know, he like, uh, he does counseling for businesses and stuff, this Japanese guy. And uh, he talks about how, what changed his life was um, changing his relationship with money, right? So he treats money with respect. So it's all about like, treating money like uh like a significant other or like a brother or a sister literally to the point where he was like every time he goes home or he has a friend they go home and they take their wallet and it's got the credit cards and the cash whatever and before they go to bed this sounds crazy i I wouldn't say like do i'm not saying to do this but it's a crazy story so this person would take the wallet and next to their bed there's like a little bedside table and and on the bedside table, there's like a mini miniature like bed like that they built with like a little pillow, a little blanket. And he said that they put the wallet on the wallet goes in its own bed so that the money could rest at night. Respect. Right. So the money could also rest while I'm resting. Take a break. Right. So it's like you're treating you're 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 like physically treating your money with respect. Right. And the whole idea of it, and, and I'm going to preface too, I don't do that. I wouldn't recommend doing that. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say not recommend it. Like, if you want to try it, go crazy. But the point of it is basically when you, when you treat money with respect like that, what you're doing is you're inviting it in. So the whole idea is if I spend, let's say, let's say I want to splurge, right? I see a Gucci shirt. It's $80 and I could afford it. I have it, whatever. Um, so I say to myself, instead of saying, man, I really want that Gucci shirt, but it's like, I feel bad or I really want that. But like, I probably should spend on something else. Instead of saying it that way, you say, I'm going to purchase this Gucci t-shirt because I love Gucci. I love wearing their, their clothing. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel empowered. And 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 I have so much respect for this money that I earn, earned, you know, um, worked hard to earn. I'm going to let this money go and I'm going to have faith that it's going to come right back around to me later. So what you're doing is the, the, the trick is to open up the, it, it's basically you're unclogging the, the flow of money. So money goes out, money goes in. Have respect for the money that you spend. Have respect for the money that comes in. And so it's like water, right? It's like Bruce Lee says it all the time. It's like, let everything flow like water. He was right, 
you know, money works the same way. It flows like water. It comes in, it goes out. You spend spend eighty dollars here, and then all of a sudden you sold the beat on Beat Stars. It comes back in two hundred, and you're you're going and coming in, right? And so, when you start to treat sort of money in that way, where it it flows in and flows out, then you start to like open up, and you realize like, wow, like that's really how it works. Like, because if you're penny pinching, like, oh, I need to keep this, then you're it's everything, you know, you see my, my, my body language, like I'm closed, I'm closed off. Like I'm, I'm blocking anything that's coming in and I'm blocking anything going out. Like you're holding on to your money so much. I don't want to spend this. I don't want to help this person. I don't want to, you know, get an Uber and spend the money to go see this person. Like you're very clenched up. So you just, you have to open up, palms out, open up, flow in, flow out. You know what I mean? I sound like fucking Mr. Miyagi right now, but it's now you remind me of uh, Ryan, <laughs> you seen Ryan Leslie. You remind me of Ryan Leslie. He's like I've listen. I'm gonna. Yeah. I have to pay respect to Ryan because I spent a lot of time with him, um, many years ago, and he taught me a lot. He changed my mm. life for sure. Like Ryan, our less is like the goat, goat, yeah. goat. One thing I wanted to touch on though is like when you were saying like just let money come in. Like, do you feel like producers like they jump the trends too quickly, thinking it's gonna work? Like, you know, mm, that's crazy. So I was just talking, uh, me and Russ were just talking about this earlier. So trends. So, so here's a, here's a, what I think with, with producers. It's important to understand the, the culture and like what people want to hear. But it's, it's, so it's a mix. It's a mix of both. It's like, you want to, you want to keep your ear in tune with what's current but you also want to trust your instinct as a, as a pioneer and as a, as a creator to dictate what's cool, right? So instead of trying to do what's cool, you create the new cool. But if you go too far left and try to create the new cool and people are, are like confused by it, you might lose people. So it's like this in-between sweet spot of how can I be current, but how can I push the culture forward just a little bit? and give them something a little bit new. And that's how you, you get people to jump on board. You know what I mean? Like when I, when I think of like disruptors in the industry, I think of like the Pharrell's, the Kanye's, the Timberland's, but then, you know, there's Mike Will, there's Mustard, there's, there, there's, um, I mean, there's so many, I mean, you know, Wanda, I mean, too, too many people. So it's like, I, I think that if you're chasing the trend, don't be scared to chase it. Just, just like listen to it and have respect for it and think about why you like it. Like, why do I like stuff today? You know? Okay. So I like this because of the rhythm. I like this because the sample sounds, you know, dark and I like minor keys, chord progressions, or I love that 808. The way the 808 makes me feel is crazy. And then you take it and you take why you like something and then you kind of create your own version of it. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's like, what I feel is like the job, you know what I mean, of what we're trying to do. What about like money wise? Like producers just hopping on, like let's say like uh, like I don't know, like uh, I don't want to say free beats because it's not really like a bad wave, but like I don't know, like some type of like money hustle, you know what I'm saying? That producers will hop in and just like, cause I know one thing you posted a while back is you were saying um, what was it? You was like um, I'm trying to think exactly how you worded it. But you was basically saying like I really do this. I really sell beats. I really work with these guys and a lot of producers. Y'all, y'all, y'all buy from these people who don't really, you know what I'm saying? They sell you a dream and they really feeding off of 
you buying their dream and it's really fake. Mm-hmm. And I feel like those are some of the bad like investments producers are making. Yeah, it, you just have to be careful, right? Like if you're gonna consume someone's content or buy their course or whatever it is, just do some research. I mean, the, the cool thing about the internet and social media is everything is documented. Like you can find, and it's scary though, but you can find out literally everything and anything about anyone now. So if someone's legitimate, just, just take a little bit of time to like do your research. You know, like if this person says they can teach you how to do something, just do some research and see if they did it. You know, if, if, if whatever they're claiming they did is so massive, there is 100% chance is you're going to find an article or something on there. If you don't, they're lying. They're lying. Have you, you seen these I mean? producer scams? Oh my god. A&R scams. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we are in the studio with this person, this person, send me $200 PayPal and I'll sh- shop your beats. It's crazy. But the crazy thing about it is like, there are real people though that like could really help you. Um, but they're not doing the scam shit. They're, you know what I mean? So it's like, you just have to, you got to be like a little street smart and just like common sense. Part of it's like common sense, do your research and instinct. You know what I mean? That's, that, that's what I would say. I feel like producers jump into like anything that they get provided to them. Cause it's like, I see a lot of time, like when we ask today, we post it on our story. We say, what's some questions you want to ask Ilman? We had one dude say, what's the placement secret? I feel like a lot of producers, <laughs> they think it's a secret or this is wow. crazy gym. It's, it's not a secret. Okay, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you something like straight from the heart, right? I still don't know how to get placements. What? I don't know how. And here's, here's why. There's no, there's no method to it. It just happens. It literally is the most random thing. Like every placement I've gotten, the story is an iteration of, yeah, I was just fucking around making stuff and they heard it <laughs> literally. <laughs> so like, there's no sauce there. I don't even know how. And, and if any big producer claims they can tell you the sauce, like I know how to get you placements. I mean, they might and respect to them if they do, but the way they got it, or the way they're getting their placements is not going to be the same way you're going to mm-hmm. get your placements. Everyone's mm-hmm. placements happen super random, super different. I did this. I was in this place. This is a random fucking thing. I ran into this person. I got this placement or I sent this to this person. It's literally, everything's random. Literally. So that's what I would say, man. Like I'm never, I, I stopped trying to figure it out. Like for a while I was trying to figure out, okay, what is like the sauce? Like for real, how do you get placements? I have no idea, bro. Work, meet people, make make beats, don't be a dick, know a little bit of business, like use your instinct and try to help people and you're going to get them. You know what I mean? That's it. So so let me ask you this. Like, have you ever felt like, have you ever done something for a while and you just felt like, I don't really like, I don't really love this shit, bro. Let me, let me switch it up. All the time, man. I'm going through that right now. Like yeah. I, I've been getting lately, I've just been really like bored with what I've been making. So I actually been switching gears and like experimenting and creating like other vibes um, that, that I, that I really like that I haven't really like tapped into yet. So I'm just kind of at that point where I'm like, I'm trying to have like fun and trying some different. That's what I'm saying. Cause the reason why I bring it up, cause I feel like producers, they're like, they like force themselves to 
into a money hustle, like selling mm-hmm. beats. Like I know for me, for example, like I'm in high school, I'm selling beats. A year after high school, I'm selling beats, but it's like at a studio and I'm just sitting here like, bro, I ain't got time to be on Adobe After Effects making a visualizer, you feel me? Yeah. Posting on Beatstars, no disrespect to those, like to people who do it, but like me, it was just like, man, I really want to like get behind a camera and like make content. Like I mm-hmm. really want to like, you know what I'm saying? Like be like, you know what I'm saying? Be on YouTube and stuff like that. And I did that and it's a whole different route for me. And I feel like producers just look at it like, oh man, I got to sell, I got to sell beats on Beatstars or I got to do mm-hmm. it like this. I got to sell beats. And I feel like it's, it's different ways you could be successful as a music producer besides just like, besides, you know, just besides selling beats. I feel like you show that in a, a lot of ways, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Twitch, mm. lap, you got this new loop joint, yeah, NFT, yeah, like yeah. you got crazy different ways. So like, really like, how can like producers start standing out from the uh, rest of I people? love this. I love this conversation, bro. That's why producer grind is the best. Okay. <laughs> so I was literally just talking about this a couple hours ago. There's, there's two types of people. Okay. Literally only two types. There are the types of people who are afraid of stepping into the unknown. And then there's people who aren't afraid to step into the unknown. And there's this amazing quote, an amazing book, which is behind me and I cannot think of it, but, and, and if I remember it, I'll let you guys know, but, um, it's basically this idea that all great things and all great opportunities exist in the unknown. So if you, as the more often you jump into the unknown, the more often you will come across abundance, success, money, mm. genius moments, whatever it is. And the, 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 the issue is that as human beings, by default, we like to look behind. We like to look at the past. So we compare, we try to predict the future based on the past. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, this happened to me before. So like, I'm not going to do that again, which is like a natural thing. It works when you're in survival mode. Like, I'm not going to touch fire because I know it burns me because I tried and it burned and it hurt and I'm not going to do that again. But that same philosophy does not apply to every part of life. Right. Mm-hmm. So apply that to getting burnt and surviving and not dying, but don't apply that to business or success. Mm-hmm. And the, so the whole idea is that successful people are not afraid to dive into the unknown. So when, when I adopted this uh, many, many years ago, I was like, fuck that. I'm just going to do shit. I'm just going to try stuff like, I'm going to do boom bap beats. I'm going to do trap beats. I'm going to make house music. I'm going to do South African music. I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to do a crypto coin. I'm going to build a fucking virtual reality world. Like I'm (laughs) going to do all these things and not all of it has to work, but um, the more I dive into the unknown, the, the, all I need is for one or two or three of those things to actually disrupt and work. And then I've already, I've, I can check that off my list. And if I never have dove into the unknown, I literally probably would just be super, super stuck. Right. And then also for me personally, this is just me personally, but part of me is like, I just get bored. Like I can't something about me where it's like, if I keep doing the same thing over and over, I get super bored, super quick. Um, and I, so side note, I just had a daughter, she's six months. Um, and she's the same way. Cause like when I give her toys, like she loves the new toy. And then after two minutes, she's fucking throws it across the room and she gets bored. And I'm like, yeah, you got that from me. So, yeah. <laughs> but, 
but literally like that's what it is and so i think you kind of have to if you're mindful of that about yourself and you're like you know what man like why am i doing something like why do i want to go on youtube why do i want to sell beats and if the reason why you want to do it is because you're curious and you want to like know genuinely know like is this gonna work and you're like genuinely like dude this is gonna be like a lot of fun like this is gonna be the shit like i can't wait to do this then you should probably do it you should probably try it you know what i mean so it's like if it's gonna be fun and if you're like yo i don't know what's gonna happen but like this shit might be kind of crazy and it might help people try it that's it. It doesn't have, and it doesn't have to be like the craziest thing ever. It doesn't have to be like, you know, something that makes money. Just, just try shit. You know what I mean? Like, like that's how you grow. Like just step into something that you have no idea what you're doing and get your hands dirty and just like fuck the shit up, disrupt it and then see what happens. And you do that enough times, you could literally just, you're, you're, you could literally do whatever you want. The world is your oyster at that point. No, yeah, I fuck bro. with that, bro. Yeah. I fuck with that for sure. Yeah. I feel like producers, man, it's, it's like, especially now, it's all about following trends. I feel like we got to get out of that, like, just do our mm. own thing. Like, I remember I was watching, I remember before I was even, like, in this position right here, bro, I was watching the Superstar O podcast, and this mm. man said... Shout to O, man. I yeah, love o, o hard. This yeah. man said, I sent a bathtub. We was just talking about this, man. Sent a bathtub with candles, and I just get to thinking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Facts. And it's just stuff like that that just make you, like, stand up, man. Yeah, and, and you know, like, don't be afraid to, like, like trust your gut like if something seems like like if you're interested in something but like the that that little voice in your mind is saying don't do it it's not cool or like don't do it because you might fuck it up or don't do it because like other people aren't doing it don't listen to that voice like the okay. only voice you should listen to is it's like it's like tapping into that your your younger self like being a kid like when we were kids like five, six, seven, eight years old, like we didn't give a fuck about anything. It was just like, if it was fun, we we're going to do it. Right. Like, like when you're three years old, like you don't care. Like you're going to grab this. You're going to put it in your mouth. You're going to crawl here. You're going to jump here. You're going to get cut. You're going to get bruised. But like, we didn't care. Cause it's like genuine childhood curiosity is how a human being literally grows. That's why as when we're kids, the only reason why we're able to grow into adults is because we're just, we're curious about everything. So we want to touch everything and try everything, like learn like, Oh, that's hot. I shouldn't touch that. So that's a learning lesson. But if I never tried it, I never would have knew it was hot. Right. Yeah. And, and just the simple act of walking too, like I need to step up and walk. I know I might trip, but I have to try it, you know? And it's even like skateboarding too. Like I used to be a skateboarder. I suck now, but <laughs> I used to skateboard hard. And I remember the first time I jumped on a skateboard, I busted my ass. So like, you have to imagine like pro skateboarders, like they literally have fallen and busted their ass like thousands of times to get good. So that's the whole point of this is like, follow your gut. Like if something looks cool and you think that's, you think it's fire and like, you want to try to do it, do that shit, man. Just try it. Facts, facts. So yeah. like, okay, let's talk about content. Like a producer that wants to get in content. See, a lot of producers, they hopping on this Twitch wave this summer. Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of jumping to it. Twitch, yeah. And they streaming. And then after two weeks, they're like, damn, I ain't got no views. Mm-hmm. What's, 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 what's some mistakes they making? Okay, so two things I learned about Twitch being on there so far. So the first thing is a little technical. So the algorithm on Twitch is very different than YouTube. So, mm -hmm. you know, on YouTube, it's like 
the thumbnail, the click rate, um, how long they watch your video, um, all that stuff. Not even really hashtags anymore. The, you know, the title, all that shit. Mm -hmm. So there's like a specific algorithm. There's like certain strategies you can follow to get people to watch your channel on YouTube. Now on Twitch, there really is no algorithm that's similar to YouTube. So like the only way that you're really going to get people to watch you on Twitch is if you get, if you get people from other platforms. Mm -hmm. So like if you have a following on Instagram or YouTube or wherever, or Twitter, you have to like let them know, hey, come to my Twitch. Hey, come to my Twitch. So you have to get people from other platforms to come watch you. So if you don't have a big following on other platforms, it, it is going to be pretty hard at first. Um, so that's one thing I'll say about Twitch is like, the more you stream doesn't mean you're, you're going to get more followers. Thanks. Like you can stream for two years and still be at five views a day. Like it's tough. It's really tough. Um, even me, like my, my viewers have decreased a little bit cause I stopped streaming and I stopped like promoting it that much, but then I'm picking it back up again. Like after I took a few months off when I had my, my baby. So, um, that's what I'll say with Twitch. And then the second thing about Twitch is a big reason why people stop after a couple of weeks is because it feels like work and it just takes right. up a lot of time. Right. Cause it's like time consuming. You're there, you're waiting for people to donate or whatever. It's like, yo, what's going on? So here's my biggest piece of advice with Twitch. If you're going to do Twitch and this actually, this actually, this um, applies to everything, but we'll just keep it at Twitch. If you're going to stream on Twitch, whatever it is you're doing on you're going to do on twitch just make sure you're willing to do it for a long time like like if you're okay so i'll give you an example if you create a twitch channel where it's a channel about this is going to be super random you're creating a channel about um you know uh i'm trying to think of a good one um how to cook right like cooking like different uh, different, um, uh, you know, uh, recipes for food. Well, like, and you're, you stream like five days a week, let's say, right. You're going to literally need to cook something new every day and be down to do that stream for two to three hours every day for however long you want to stream the rest. We'll just say for the next five years. Right. Um, if that's not something that sounds fun or fulfilling, don't stream. Right. Um, so me personally, I'll give you a positive example from the beginning for me streaming on Twitch. I told myself, all right, I have this schedule where I wake up really early in the morning and I literally, I start making beats at around 10 AM and then I stop at around 5 PM, literally Monday through Friday. I've been doing that for 10 years. Right. Damn. So I'm like, all right, I'll stream on Twitch. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to do the same shit I've been doing for the past 10 years, the only difference is I'm going to stream it. So when you go to my Twitch stream, it's 90% of it, 10% of it is me talking and, and doing Q and a, the other 90% is me literally making beats. Like I'd be sitting there doing it even with the computer, with, with Twitch off. So I'm essentially doubling up. Cause I'm like, I'm sitting here making actual beats that I'm going to monetize, but then I'm also building the Twitch community and people are watching me and I'm building a community there as well. So I'm kind of like killing two birds with one stone in a way. Um, and so that's what I would say is if you're going to stream on Twitch, just make sure whatever you're doing on there is something that you can see yourself doing for a long time. 
Otherwise, you're going to stop doing it after a couple weeks. You know what I mean? Would you say, like, you have to have a certain personality to be on there? Kind of. Kind of. I mean, you don't have to be, like, Kenny Beats, like, <laughs> shout out to <laughs> my man Kenny. He's crazy. But um, you don't have to be insane, like, personality. But you have to have something about you that people could relate to. You know what I mean? Like, and just be yourself. I feel like every, if you're a human being and you like things, like, people are going to gravitate towards there's people out there like you like you're not this like unique being where <laughs> like there's zero people that can relate to you like no there's things about you that people could definitely relate to you just just open up a little bit that's what i would say like show a little bit of like your creative side you like show people your personality just be yourself like be yourself on there do things you love and treat people with respect and and yeah you're gonna you're gonna build people over time you're gonna build the following Hey, give me light. I gotta go to the bathroom. I can't think, bro. I don't enjoy the water. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pause it, bro. Bro, I just, I love this shit, man. How, um, how are those speakers? Nah, nah, like, I'm not even gonna lie. Like, you look like you were holding something. So, I was like, man, I was not like that. All right, so, I mean, I ain't gonna cap, bro. Just looking at seven figures, bro. So many questions be popping up in my head, bro. Please, man, that's why I'm here, man. Seven figures, like, let's talk about, and I'm gonna use me for example, because I be having this problem a lot. And I'm still trying to solve it. And it's being, like, too spread out. Mm -hmm. Like, when I first started, I'm on YouTube. I'm on the second channel, Twitch, producing memberships. And I feel like a lot of other producers, it might not be my saying, like, the same exact things that I go through, but I feel like producers get too spread out. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, like, how do you approach it? Because you have a whole bunch of different, like, you know, incomes of money. Mm -hmm. So, like, how do you approach it? Like, do you, like, okay, I'm going to start these two things today? Or, like, do you take it one at a time? Like, how do you approach that stuff so you don't really get... Honestly, for me, like, first of all, I'll say this, like, I have no fucking idea. Like, <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, yeah, nah. I, I'm like, yeah. I do shit like straight from instinct and like emotion. So yeah. like, if something excites me, like, I want to execute it like right now. Like, I don't want to wait to hire this person and try to do this approval for this. Like, I need to do it right now while I'm excited. And so... Anytime I get this moment of like excitement of like building something new or trying something new, diving into the unknown, like I have to act on it within 24 hours. If I wait 24 hours, like I'm no longer excited about it. And then it's just an idea that I had. Right. And I don't want to. I just don't want to have ideas that I had. I want to have like an idea and fucking execute. That is fine. Yeah. I'm about to start doing it. Yeah. So if you, and, and literally there's, there's, there's um studies on it where after like 24 hours, it's less exciting. After 48 hours, um, it's, it's like a fleeting thought. And then after 72 hours, it's completely gone. Like you've never, it never happened. So if, if you have a great idea, um, I personally think that executing on it as quickly as possible is, is probably your best bet you know, if you want to execute something. So for me, um, I think balancing everything is it, a challenge for sure. I mean, now I have a baby, so it's like, I don't have that selfish luxury of like, I'm just going to go here. or I'm going to take this day off or go here. Like I have to schedule everything. But that being said, it's like, you know, for me, I just like kind of pick and choose things and I'll, I'll focus on one thing. And then I'll, after I do it for, let's say a week, or two weeks, I'll do this like sort of like assessment to where like I think about like, was that fun? Like, did I enjoy that? Right. Was that or was that stressful? 
and 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 uh so i do a sort of like a two-week assessment and then if i tell myself it was stressful i stop doing it mm. but then if i tell myself yeah that was fun like i can do that for another two weeks then i'll continue to do it right um and so that's kind of how i pick and choose my stuff but i think spreading yourself thin is just case by case like some people are built differently than others right there's some people that could only focus on one thing and get good at that and then focus on that because they want to do that which is fine but then there's other people that just like want to jump from one thing to one thing and experiment and which i think is okay as well um but i think if you're trying to find yourself and find something that could really resonate with what you're doing i would say try as many things as possible and do those over time and then just think about the stuff that was stressful and think about the stuff that was fun and just base it off of joy. Right. Um, and cause the stuff, and I, I took this from uh, this girl, Marie Conda. She's got the, you know, the whole, uh, if it brings you joy, you know, keep it. If it doesn't throw it out. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she bases everything off of joy. And I believe that because if you, if you build things and you work, towards things and put energy into things that bring you joy, there's a really, really high increased uh, possibility that you'll never quit doing it. Right. And so if you jump into things that you have a high probability of never stopping doing, then you're going to just keep doing it. And then you're going to get successful because you just never will stop. Right. But if you choose something that's like stressful or annoying or, or, or makes you really tired, then like at some point you're going to give and you're going to stop and then it's just going to be a waste of time. Right. So that's why I love being a producer. Cause all I could say, most of us in here love this shit. We love it. We want to do this for the rest of our life. And so if you just keep going, you know, that's the, 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 the answers will come, you know? So yeah, that's what I would say, man. Everything I do is just joy. Like, I love the VR shit. I love NFTs. I love cryptos crazy. I think the concept is unreal. Um, you know, uh, podcasts, super fun. You know, Twitch, super fun. Making beats, super fun. Like, everything I do is just super fun. You know, I'll, mm. never, I'll never focus or do something that is not joyful. So I think that really would help. But when it comes to the fun part, what about the other part that's like, administrative things, editing videos, building websites, developers. There's all these different things that's, it might be fun to some people, but mm-hmm. it's not fun for like a creative, somebody mm-hmm. who really loves creating things. So at what point in your career did you have to sit down and say, okay, I'm going to hand this job off to somebody. I'm going to hire somebody to do these things. You know love it. Lo- I love that question. Um, Try it and see if it's fun. It might be fun to you. And if it's not, just team up with someone that thinks it's fun. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because there's people out there that love chopping videos, videography and filming and the aesthetic and the whole shit. Find me. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Or, you know, the real cheat code is Fiverr. I don't know, bro. When I go on Fiverr and I look at it and I see them cheesy videos. You got to find them. You just tell them what you want. Like, like, tell them what you want. And it's cheap. It's it's worth the investment. Yeah. I've done a few things on Fiverr. I'm not even going to lie. Fiverr is a big game. I won't, yeah. even, I won't even say that on the podcast. That's how, I got so much work done on Fiverr. Yeah. Yeah. They listen. Yeah. They'll sure. do it. Because the thing is, like, there's people that are willing to do what you don't want to do for cheap. And a lot of them are in India. They're mm-hmm. in the Philippines. They're in Europe. They're here. They're overseas. And, like, you know, $30 for work is, like, their livelihood. So, mm-hmm. like, they'll sit there and fucking 
upload a two hour YouTube episode for you and, and code something in Shopify, <laughs> which would take you, you know, two hours, they'll knock that shit out, you know, in their basement with the internet and you give them $30 and they'll knock it out. You know what I mean? So if you can afford it, I personally think it's a good investment to look into just for small tasks that you don't mm-hmm. want to do. Um, but again, I'm a big fan of like, try it yourself. Like if you want to build a website, do some research, YouTube university, try to build it yourself. And if you don't fuck with it, then just try to get someone to do it for you. I feel like that's a gem because I feel like that's where the producer gets burnt out. At. Like mm-hmm. they did all the cooking, but now they get into site and all that stuff. And that's when they start there. That starts to take weeks to get all that yeah. done. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I will say if you, I will say just try it because mm-hmm. you could find joy in it. Like, okay, I'll, I'll tell you this. Literally everything that I've done, 90% of everything I've done up until this point, I did myself. So the, 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 um, the beat selling plat or the 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 drum kit platform, you know, Shopify, which is basically a site that where you can build your own website. I learned mm-hmm. how to use Shopify, um, and then, um, you know, just creating a a ticket purchase system for ticketing for like past the aux and all the events I'm doing, all through Shopify, building my own websites. Um, and then it was the VR shit that I'm doing, the virtual reality um, studio that I built. Um, that's under a platform called Spatial. I had to do research to find out, you know, what Spatial does. And I, I, I was put onto them by my good friend, Krista Kim, who she's crazy right now. She's going crazy with NFTs, but she put me on the Spatial. And then I was like, this is a VR platform where I can talk to people in VR. How do I build my own? And so I did research and I found out about this company that builds VR worlds for, for like a, a price, depending on what you're trying to build. And I worked with them. I reached out to them and I customized it and every little detail of the house. Like I worked with them, the interiors. And then I just had to figure it out. And then the next step was, okay, how do I take this virtual reality house and get like people, invite people and talk to them and play music and do like a virtual pass the aux or whatever. So I had to figure out the technology behind it and I was doing it. Like I, I did it all myself. So, you know, I say all that to say like, I genuinely enjoy doing that stuff and it's helped me a lot because not only do I get to execute very quickly, but I don't have to pay anyone to do it. And, but it's a lot of work. It takes work for my part. Like I have to sacrifice like days of making beats to the side to like focus on that. But like the shit was fun to me. So like, I know that like I can do this because like, if I'm excited about this, I know I can figure it out. Like I know I can figure it out. And so um, that leads me to just say that, like, just pay people for shit you don't want to do. Because there's someone out there that is willing to do it or wants to do it. They deserve the money. Like, mm. save yourself the time and headache. Hit them off with the money. That's part of their livelihood. They enjoy this shit. They know how to do it really good. Like, I'm terrible at, like, I'll, I'll tell you something on the side. Like, I'm, like, literally the worst at, like, doing stuff around the house. Like, like. I can't like cut grass. I don't know. Like if, if the boiler breaks, like I have no idea what to do. Like, like I'm the fucking opposite of like a a house maintenance person. I have no idea how to do any of that shit. Right. So like my whole thing is like, man, if something breaks, I'm going to pay someone who's really good at this job to do this because not only are they going to literally actually fix the problem, but like they're going to get paid for it. And I'm happy to, spend that money 
and give this money to this person because they earned it. They deserve it. They did a great job. They know what they're doing. They're having fun, hopefully. And that's that. You know what I mean? So pay people for pay people to do shit you don't want to do. That's what I'm saying. So let me ask you this. And this is really just going back to like producer problems, but I feel like it's like a, a mental problem. Like, what, what, like, okay, so quality or being consistent? Mm. I see a lot of producers, they upload like every day or mm-hmm. they'll do something every day. And you can see like the, even like I know like if I'm the, if I'm gonna go crazy and upload like 10 tutorials in a week, not everyone else gonna be high quality. So like, what do you prefer or like do you keep the balance between the two? <clears throat> okay, so people might not like my answer. Um, you need both. Mm-hmm. quality there there is a world where you are pumping out quality and quantity mm-hmm. right um and you can get there you know and, and it's not like a final destination but it's just something you're always working towards like you go from i can make one really good beat every two days to i can go i can make one one really good beat every day so that's one beat, beat per day and then a couple of years later, you might be at three really good beats per day. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the person that's making three really good beats per day is outworking the person that makes one good beat per day by 3x, right? And then you get to the point where you can make 10 beats in one day that are really good and right. could really get placed. And now you're crushing it. You're doing 300 beats in a month, right? Mm-hmm. That's, uh, how many is that? One, it's two, 20 a day? I know. 10 15, per day, 15. 10 per day, 300 per month, because that's 30 times 10. 10. Yeah. Yeah, 10. That's 300 beats per month. That's uh, 300 times 12. That's how many beats per year. That's a lot, you know? And they're, all, and they're all good. So I would say, you know, aim for quality and quantity, right? So then you have to think, okay, how do I do quantity? Well, you have to get fast. So you have to think about how can I save time? So get good at shortcuts. Um, have, you know, your presets already dialed in, um, use loops, use really good loops. Um, you know, if you, if you're uh, not really good with chord progressions and they take you forever to like come up with a chord progression, use Cthulhu, use the, you know, what is it called? Scaler. All these scaler, like, yeah. like, like, uh, Captain Keys, whatever that's not, it is. That's not real music though. I mean, you know, what is real? I mean, I was just trolling. I wanted to say, <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> I'll try. I use that heavy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Heavy. Um, yeah. It's like, yo, if you use FL, you're not a real producer. Real instruments only. It's like, come yeah, on, guy. But like, use what you can to save time and save headache. That's my whole thing. Is how can you be as efficient as possible, save as much time as possible, and be as productive as possible without sacrificing quality and and it's something you work towards right like i mean for me like i've been man i've been making beats for almost 20 years like since 2003 so like yeah 18 years literally every day i haven't missed a day almost and so i'm at that point where it's like i have that muscle memory to just be able to knock something out i know where to find a sound i know like whatever genre we're working on like i'm confident enough to like know what to do but it's still a learning process for me like i'm learning something new every day i'm not the best at it but i'm i'm at a higher level now than i was you know last year or two years ago three years ago so every year you get better so yeah i would say strive for both strive for both but the key is to not waste time on pointless things right like we've all done it like when we sit there 
Damn, that shit hurt. Listen, no, no, and it's okay though, because I do it too. You sit there and you're on like Omnisphere, and you're literally spending like thirty minutes just trying to turn the knob and find a sound, and it's like, dog, move on. You know what I mean? Like at some point, like you're just you're you're just moving too slow, right? Like I went, I've been in studios with so many different types of people, and literally every single musician or producer or whoever that like I have so much respect for and like I'm a fan of every single one of them works so quickly it's unbelievable like this might not apply for producer all producers necessarily like I'm not saying to not take your time but in terms of like artists and songwriters and singers and musicians it's like they they move on instinct it's like first idea out I'm committed boom this is it or first idea, trash, second one, cool, that one feels good, that's the one, pull it up, right? So, you know, the more you overthink and say, oh, it has to be perfect, it has to be perfect, the idea is gone. Like, the moment's gone. The genius nice. moment's gone. Like, this beat is not going to be as good because you've, 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 uh, you've left the room at that point. Like, you're not even in the room anymore. Like, you were in the room when the shit was like, oh, my God, okay, I got an idea. But because you took too long, you know, turning the knobs, you're not even in the room anymore. Like you're in a different room. Like this is not the same potential thing that you could have made. So that's our problem as producers. We have to just find the discipline to be able to trust our instinct. This is the idea. That piano, that shit is fire. I don't even want to touch that. I'm not going to do a little bell EQ curve or try this or like this is this sounds really good. I'm going to keep this for now. And then move on to the next thing, lay down the snare, lay down the drum. This pattern is good. This pattern is good. Try this, try this. And the whole thing is just an experiment. But if you, if you move too slow, this is just my belief. If you move too slow, I do believe that you will lose some of the sauce, some of the momentum that you're trying to go for. Hey, bro. And you don't need to buy no course today, y'all. <laughs> course right here. Yeah. So, I mean, we got the beats. We got the, the, the mindset of thinking. Now it's the selling part. Mm-hmm. And what I'm, what I'm trying to lead to this is basically, I feel like producers, okay, you an artist, you hit me up, yo, let me get a beat. Mm-hmm. All right, this the beat, this my price. There you go, it's a sale. I see with you, you do it a little bit different, and it's it's kind of like uh, I, when I think of this, I always think of like Gabe. I like you make it a win-win situation. You know, like when you walk into a furniture store or like I don't know, like a car dealership. And it's like, oh, I'm just looking around, and he'd be like, man, you look like a back hurt. And he'd be like, yeah, my back hurt. Oh yeah, let me get it get this couch, you know what I'm saying? It leads you into it. I feel like that's one thing you do. Like you, I don't know how to explain it, but like you personalize what this product is and you find the, the exact person that needs this product. Mm-hmm. And I feel like once producers find that, then everybody be selling beats. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's true. Okay, so, damn, it's crazy. Like we were just talking about this earlier too. <laughs> so um, here, I'll give you, I'll give you the real, the real thing. So here's one of the absolute, keys to selling so there's this guy that i've been following since 2007 he put out a ted talk speaking of ted ted talk um his name is simon sinek and back in 2007 when i was like you know in the basement just like you know trying to figure it out i watched his ted talk so it's actually one of the it's the first ted talk to reach a million views so it was like the ted talk that made ted talk what ted talk what it is so his his uh talk was about the concept of how businesses and products and people view 
the world, right? And so there's there's one way that we all mostly view the world. It's or when we sell a product, we view it in this type of way, and it's um, we focus on you know what something is, how it works, um, and why it exists, right? So I'll give you an example. I know that's a little confusing, so I'll give you an example. So you guys remember, you guys might be too young for this, but you remember TiVo back in the day? It was like a on-demand TV thing. It was basically like a like a TV recorder. Like it records your TV. It was like the first TV recorder ever in existence, right? Okay, so anyway. So there's this thing, right? There's this thing called TiVo in like 2006, I would say. So 2006... There's this new technology that comes out called TiVo. And it was basically like the first TV ever where you can like record your TV. Because before that, you couldn't record your TV. It was just if you turn on and you, your show is on at 1 p.m. and you turn on at 1.30, you miss the shit forever. Like there's no on-demand, no YouTube. You can't watch it. You missed it forever. Live TV. So with TiVo, you can you could pause your TV and you could rewind it and you can record your favorite shows right in your living room. And you don't have to, you know, miss school or work from your favorite show. You could just set the shit to record and it records, right? That was what it is. How do we do it? Well, we have this patented new technology with the, where the, you know, the, the, the TV gets recorded on the cloud and it's this innovative technology and it's great. And there's a little internal memory stick that, records all your audio and video, blah, blah, blah. And then there's the why, right? So it goes, what, how, why? And then the why was we do it so that it's convenient for you and you don't have to worry about, you know, wasting time and you can watch your favorite shows. And so TiVo failed miserably. I mean, they were supposed to be like the next big thing. They had all these investors, like billions of dollars invested into it. And it failed literally completely. It was like a, a, a dead project. And then they just, you know, they just went bankrupt. Now, that was an example of a system that went from um, uh, what, how, why, right? So it was a what, how, why system. It tells you what it is, how it works, and why you need it. So... According to Simon Sinek, and this is actually, this concept has transcended and made a lot of billionaires in the whole world. So the mistake that most people make is when they sell a product, they sell it in that order. They tell you what it is, how it works, and why they do it. But the problem with that is people don't care what it is, right? Mm. They don't give a fuck what it is. They don't even really care how it works. <laughs> they just want to know why it exists and why you're doing it. So the key, you know, you have um, what, how, why. The key to selling is to flip the entire thing reversed. So instead of presenting your product or service in um, what, how, why, you flip it and you say why, how, what. So you approach every product and service and everything you're doing in a way where you, you're telling people why you're doing it. Tell them why. And one successful example is Apple. When Steve Jobs came back in to Apple and he introduced the iPhone and all this stuff, he didn't tell us what it was. He didn't tell us how it worked. He just told us why, right? What, what is the Apple caption? 
um the popular one now or what what is it slogan? yeah the slogan what is the slogan i don't know think different so now all of a sudden you know when steve jobs rolls out the new apple stuff it was uh you know think different Ooh, what's think different like why like why 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 think different and so it got to people's emotions, right? Why is a much more impactful way to get into people's emotions than what? People don't give a fuck what, right? Thanks. And then so another good example of, of uh, why, how, what working is Martin Luther King, right? Rest in peace, the GOAT. Um, he always told people why. It was always, you know, I have a dream. This is why. This is what, it, why, why. It was never about like, how they're going to do it and what it it was it was just all his speeches were about why we have to do this because this because this because this why 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 everything's why and when you when you um present yourself in a why manner people could relate to that they they fuck with you now because it's like damn i know why this person is doing it. damn i fuck with that let me and then you introduce what it is Oh man, I want to know what it is. Like, I know why you're doing it. Now I want to know what it is and how you do it. I'm genuinely interested. So that's that's basically what it is. Like, like whatever you're doing, whatever you're selling, whatever you're getting into, you know, ask yourself for the first question you should ask yourself is why am I doing this? Like, why? Why am I selling beats? Why am I creating a VR house? Why am I doing NFTs? Why am I doing crypto? Why am I starting a podcast? Why? And if, if you can answer that question and you can clearly explain that answer to people first, you're going to get a thousand X more than you would have if you didn't do that. Yeah. That's, that's the major, major, like super, super secret, like, like rich person sauce that like they don't tell us in school. Why? Just tell people why. Why do yeah. you do it? I seen a post. I seen a post. It was like this. It said, if you make music for everyone, you're making music for nobody. Facts. But y'all dropping a little too much sauce today, man. Come on, bro. I feel like y'all just look past that one right there. Like y'all just y'all still just gonna make one beat. They got a little music visualizer <laughs> yeah. posting on Instagram. Yeah. No, bro. Like I'm gonna just tell you what I was thinking in my head while you saying that. Okay. I make a beat pack, right? Mm. In that beat pack, I put like a Pro Tools template in there, or like a template for every doll. You know what I'm saying? So it's a beat pack. It's a template in there. And then, um, I don't know, just add something third, like how to uh, shortcuts you can use in your dial, mm -hmm. something like that. Put that in a pack. And then I look for artists specifically that record at home. Because mm -hmm. that's, that's the people who's going to need it. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? I feel like, yeah, you just opened it up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, here's, a good, here's a good tactic to introduce why. Is the first thing, the very, very first thing you, you should do is identify the problem. Tell people what the problem is. Literally. And then be like, hey, this is the problem. Here's the answer. Here's why I'm doing this. And then Literally. here's what the answer is. Even if they don't even have the problem. Yeah. You can make it exist. If yeah, that's why so many things go viral because like we see like, oh shit, there's a that's why we love movies. That's why we love revenge movies. Because it's like they introduce the character quick. Like, damn, I'm like really interested in this. I want to know what happens. <laughs> All right, I'll give you one more another gem, right? So and I learned this from uh from Seth Godin, one of the one of the most genius marketing people on earth. And so <clears throat> there's this idea that when, you know, when you think about all of our favorite movies, right? Like it doesn't matter what movie it is. This is going to fuck your head up. 
It could be Star Wars. It could be Harry Potter. It could be fucking a Nemo movie off the top of your head. Transformers. Transformers. Oh, God. Okay. Matrix, whatever. I don't know. So we'll just take Star Wars, for instance, because it's the most global. Okay. So when you think about every, every fucking goddamn single movie you've seen that you love, the story is always, the format is always the same. Every Disney movie, same format. Every movie you love, same format. And I'm about to reveal that right now. I wish they taught this shit us. They taught us at school like we learned this shit in school because this shit is fucking crazy. So basically, there is a main character, right, who is um, a, a per, an individual that is living their life. That individual runs into an issue. There's a problem of some sort. That individual has to solve the problem. Individual number two comes in, which is the guide. We'll call that person the guide. The guide comes in to help the individual, the character. I'll call the main character, right? That was Bumblebee. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. Mm. So you have a main character who is there. The main character has, an, has a problem okay. that they need to solve. A guide comes in, a mentor, to help the main character. The guide helps the main character. The main character goes on an adventure to find and solve the problem. That main character solves the problem eventually, and we're satisfied. We're happy. End of movie. Star Wars. Part one. We'll do the part one shit. Um, Luke Skywalker. He's a guy on Tatooine. Um, he identifies a problem, right? His parent, his parents or foster parents, they get murdered. He's like, "What's going on? Oh my God, R two D two, whatever. What do we do?" He's like, "I I need answers." Blah blah blah. And then in comes an old Obi Wan Kenobi, the guide, mm -hmm. to come in and tell him he's a Jedi. You have to go on this journey to find your true self. He goes on the journey. He finds out he's a Jedi. And then he has to, you know, defeat the evil emperor. And then all these characters get introduced. But the story basically is character, problem, guide comes in, helps. Um, Hunger Games, right? Hunger, what's her name again? Uh, damn. I ain't seen that too long. Katniss. Okay. Katniss, you're on this, you know, District 14. You got chosen for this mission. Right, mm -hmm. and then she goes on the mission. There's a problem. You have to save your your district. You have to save the world. In comes the guide. What's his name? Uh, uh, fucking. I, I forgot. I ain't seen that in a long. Oh, time. you know who I'm talking about. I know you're talking about white dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In comes the guide. You must do this. You gotta help you just do this, do this. She goes on to become the hero. Right. Um, Harry Potter. Right. Harry Potter. You're a kid. Right, you don't know, blah blah blah. You go to this school. Oh my gosh, you're the chosen one. There's an issue. There's a looming dark evil that's you know looming above us. In comes the guide. Who's the guide? Is the guide is? Uh, I'm terrible with names. He had multiple guides. He had um, what's his name? The big dude with the beard. Oh fuck! You guys don't. Okay. Dumbledore was it? Dumbledore was a guide. 
Remember that? He had multiple guides. Uh, nah, I was trying to figure out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you you guys know who I'm talking about. Who? Um, Hagrid. 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 Guide. Okay. Dumbledore. That, guide. They tell him his true purpose, his true identity. He goes on to the adventure. Lord of the Rings, same thing. Um, Game of Thrones, same thing. Matrix, same thing. Neo, White Rabbit, you gotta find your shit. You gotta find. <laughs> In comes the guy. Yeah. Fucking Bird Box um, had a guy. He couldn't even see Bird on the movie. Bird. Morpheus, guide. Um, Lion King, right? Simba. No, no, no. Your dad dies. Boom. In comes the guy. Uncle. Boom, 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 boom. You have to do this. Boom. Um, well, his, the Simba's God was his dad who died. Um, so it was like kind of a revenge story too. Um, Kill Bill, revenge story, same thing. He finds out she's this, boom, boom, boom. Then mm. she goes on to do her thing. So there's always a character. There's a guy, there's an adventure, but everything. That's why we love movies. That's why we love, so we love those stories. So I say all that to say that if you can weave in, um, being a, 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 a guide role, um in something then that's a good strategy to be you you know you either you are if you are the seller of something you are the guide and the people that you are selling to are the hero you're not the hero like when i'm on the podcast i'm not the hero bro you are you guys are like like when you guys do this podcast like y'all are not the hero like me sitting in front of my dog trying to find out more about this, this, this watching the channel. Like you guys are my guide. Like I'm the hero. Mm. So you have to always remember that you are the guide and the people consuming the people that fuck with you. They're all the heroes. You mm. have to help the hero, help the hero, help the hero, be the guide. This yeah. producer grand TED talk. Yeah. I still on job of visualizing on Instagram. Because but- <laughs> a lot of us want to be the hero. Some people go, it's crazy. Some people, you know, we want to be like the hero and the guy. We want to be everything. It's like, you got to pick one, dude. Like, you got to be a character. You got to choose it. So. Okay, so like, going back to what he was just saying, he's like, <laughs> yeah, they're going to drop a visualizer. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be the Google Drive screen recording. Mm-hmm. You feel me? But how does somebody like mentally, as a producer, I feel like a lot of producers don't look at themselves like, I'm, I'm human. I could change. Mm-hmm. I do have strength to think a certain way. I could change the way that my plan of action is. You know what I'm saying? I could change the way I do business. How do you go from doing business less intentional to being like, okay, I'm going to take what Ilman just said and I'm going to go with intention. Like, how do you get into a comfortable mindset to knock the ego off? Like, oh, that's corny. Mm-hmm. That's wasting my time. Instead of doing it the way that actually works. You know what I'm mm. saying? I, w- I would say this, man, and I love that question. Um, Focus more on small tasks and focus less on results, right? So like all the results that you guys, that we all see on social media, like, oh, this person got a Grammy, this person produced this, oh shit, mm-hmm. hit boy is doing all that shit, he's lit, all this. What we don't see is like this, the, the shit that these people do every day, like small things every day. Mm. So for us, our version is, yo, like for the past, you know, eight months I've been making five beats every day for like five hours. Like that's your version of the small little actions that you're taking every day. So every big result is a, 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 a combination of all the small actions we do every day and they compound over time. Right. So it's like, if I go to the gym every day, or if I run on the treadmill for 30 minutes every morning, the first day I do it, I'm not going to see results. 
The second day, I'm still going to be, you know, I don't want to say the word because it's, everything is just fat, right? Like, I don't want to be like a chill, whatever, overweight, whatever it is. But, like, I want to get to my goal. But, like, day one, I don't see anything. Day two, I don't see anything. Day three, oh, my God, what's going on? I'm working my ass off. I can't see any. I don't see results. Then day four, day five. Day seven, you start to feel a little different. And you're not missing a day. 30 minutes on the treadmill. Day 14, you look in the mirror, you're like, oh, shit. Like, I look a little different. Like, this is (laughs) kind of crazy. 30 days in, you're like, whoa. I haven't really done anything different. I've just been doing the same 30-minute routine every day. And all of a sudden, I'm looking, you know, a little double chin is turning into a single chin now. It's looking good. Uh, (laughs) And now all of a sudden, then you do it for two months. And then three months. And then four months. But you're not changing anything. You're just doing the same thing over and over and over. So that's what, what, what you call compound results, right? It's mm-hmm. just the, the results are compounding, but they're delayed, right? You're not going to see it overnight, but it, the longer you do it, and if you don't switch it up and you just stay consistent, you're going to see the, the result, the compounding result, right? And so I would say my piece of advice would be think about what you do every day. Like what does 24-hour day look like for you like what are you eating what time are you waking up um how many hours are you spending wasting time how many hours are you spending making loops or making beats how many hours are you spending consuming on youtube and learning things how many hours a day or minutes a day are you playing piano trying to practice get better how many hours are you in the gym blah 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 what are you eating every day right i mean if you eat fast food every day is you're not going to feel it like that day, you're not gonna feel it tomorrow. <laughs> Why you look at me later? <laughs> but listen, if you eat fast food, I'm not even. You know, I mean, this is just real shit. If you eat fast food every day, you're gonna feel that. You're gonna feel that in For a sure. couple years, bro. Like two, three years, you're gonna feel something, right? Um, and I wish that on nobody, but that's just it's just a fact, right? So, um, if you want to predict your future, just analyze what you're doing every day. That's what I would say. Yeah, that's yeah. so standard. And if you could, the key is just to find the discipline to actually do things every day. Like, force yourself. Like, if you need to, like, set some type of alarm. Gotta hold yourself accountable. To, yeah, yeah. To hold yourself accountable. Or, like, if you need to put the phone down or even put it in airplane mode, do what you can to create an environment around yourself that will help you do those things that you do every day, you know? Yeah. And there's lots of apps that'll help you too. It's crazy. And just exiting out that instant gratification. You know what I'm nothing is instant. Nothing. Nothing. All all the accolades you see from all the producers and artists, the plaques, the Grammys, the money, the cash, the everything. Time. 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 Mm. Sacrifice. These people have been doing the same thing over and over and over and over to the point where you're like, oh my God, why are you still doing this? Right? Like uh, speaking of Russ, I was just with him. This man played me 200 songs that are fire, that are unreleased. And, he, and he's still making more music. Like he's literally sitting on thousands of music, thousands of songs. And look at where it's got him, you know? Like the, the guy put out, I mean, so many songs, so much music, 11 mixtapes, like five mm. albums, whatever. And it's like, yeah, it's compounding. Like he's just, he's doing the same thing over and over for a long time. And it's compounding. Yeah. So let's talk about a problem. Mm. Okay. A problem that some of us have. Some people are like, eh, it's not a big problem, but I made this beat. I sent it to JB. 
Mm. They be like, yeah, that be five, but I just use that same loop. So really the question is, what's nifty loops and like how I get a passcode, bro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so um so let me backtrack a little bit. So so nifty loops is actually um a new platform. Uh I don't know when this interview drops. When is when is this dropping? Hey, so yeah, yeah, so like tomorrow? Uh like Sunday. Sunday? Okay. So Nifty Loops is actually um out now, right? It's probably sold out by now. Hopefully. We'll see. I don't know. But um so it's a it's a new platform that I developed um that is a potential solution to this big problem that we're having in the industry right now, which is you get a loop from Splice or from this per this place or this place, and it's a great loop and you think it's it's amazing and you make a beat out of it. But the problem is that there are hundreds, if not thousands, of other producers that flip the same sample. So we're running into this issue of every a lot of people flipping the same samples. And what happens is, uh, JB, let's say you downloaded a sample and I downloaded the same sample, and you know ten other people did, right? And let's say um, I make a beat from the sample and I sell it on on let's say BeatStars, and um, I sell like exclusively, right? Cause it's like royalty free. So I get to do whatever I want. I sell it and it's legitimate and I get paid. And then that rapper records that night and then they put it out through TuneCore on all the DSPs mm-hmm. and shoots a video that night and puts it out. So now what happened is that beat is now registered, right? So it, the, 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 essentially the uh, metadata and the ownership goes to the artist and to me essentially because we were the first ones to use that loop now let's say you know a couple days later you decide to make a beat from that loop and then you do and you're like okay cool everything's good and but you kind of looped it you didn't like really change it that much just like the first person mm-hmm. you add your own drums you do your thing so then you sell it to an artist that artist makes a song and then they put it on TuneCore. DSPs, it's on Spotify, everything. And then all of a sudden, a couple weeks, maybe weeks later, you guys get a DMCA takedown, copyright strike or whatever, saying you are not authorized to to upload this track. It's already owned by, and then I'll show you who. Right. Um, that's a huge problem because what's happening is it's essentially turning into who could upload it first or who could who could uh, attain rights to that loop first. And as soon as they do it, then everyone else who has that same loop can't really use it anymore. Because if they try, there's a good chance that they'll get a copyright strike Mm -hmm. because it's the same loop. Unless, you know, even if you sometimes, these computers are smart, man. Even if you chop it or pitch it up and down, like they can still recognize that it was like the same loop that you used because it's like under copyright now. So it's a big issue that we're facing right now. Um, you know, like I said earlier in the beginning of the interview, like once you have a new problem that you um, solve, it creates a new problem, right? So royalty-free loops, they're great. You can save time, you know, just add drums and then you can sell them, whatever. Solves a problem. Everything's happy. We're all happy. Everything's amazing. But then it creates this new problem of, well, what if more than one person wants to like actually use this song and register it and really own it? That's where the issue is. So it, it's a big problem. 
Um, if you're downloading loops from different websites and you're using them and you're selling them and you want to get big placements, um, there's a good chance that you, you know, you might run into that issue. And I'm sure a lot of people have, right? So um, I've always had this like idea of like, how can we solve this problem? Like, what is the real uh, solution to this without disrupting it completely? And so, you know, for the past few months, I've been really into like crypto and NFTs and blockchain and authentication and ledgers. And um, it just clicked for me. So um, I developed this platform called Loop Nifty. So you can go to loopnifty.com. And um, it's basically a platform and I'm always the guinea pig. So it's a platform where I'm selling one of one loops. So if you want to, you know, purchase an Illmind loop, only one person gets to buy it, right? So it's not like a loop that's that I'm selling to a million people or a thousand people for like a dollar. It's one loop directly from me that I made. It's completely original. There's no interpolations. You can mark me as a co-producer if you want. And only one person out there can get it. And it's basically like a silent auction where you uh, people put a price offer. They, they offer a price and the highest offer will end up getting the loop, right? So it's like, okay, we've solved, we've, we're close to solving the problem. So if one person has the loop, then you'll never run into that problem ever again of like copyright strike or DMCA because you can literally do whatever you want with that. You can get a major placement, you can sell it on BeatStars, whatever. So then there's another problem. How do I prove that like, this is legitimate, this is mine? Because if I take this loop, like I can like, it can leak or I can give it to my friend and all of a sudden they have it because it's digital, right? I mean, mm -hmm. with digital stuff, I mean, that stuff spreads like wildfire. So how do I know that I really own this? So this is why Nifty Loops is so, um, so great to me. So the, 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 the solution to that problem is blockchain ledger. Okay, so I'll, I'll explain this. So I know you guys talked a little bit about NFTs and how that worked. I know we talked about that a little bit too, but basically what this is, is NFT basically stands for non-fungible token, right? So all it really is, is a way to prove that something is original and authentic, right? It's like when you think of like, uh, uh, let's say like a Pokemon card, right? Charizard, like the original Charizard that's worth like how much, like millions right now? <sighs> Yeah, how much? $1.2 million fucking piece of cardboard, right? A Charizard card. And the reason why it's worth $1.2 is for a few reasons. Number one, it's very scarce, meaning how many copies are there? Like 100 only or 10 or 10,000. So it's very scarce. And the second reason why it's so valuable is because there's this company called PSA that grades collectible cards. So they are like the number one company in the world, trusted company where you can send them a collectible card in the mail and then they'll assess the condition of the card and then they'll put it in like the plastic covering and give it a rating. Um, I think it's like a one to 10 rating or whatever, depending on the conditions. So you can have like a Charizard number 38 PSA graded 9.5% grade which means that you, it's not perfect, right? 10 is perfect. So you can't sell it for 1.2, but someone might be able to want to buy it for like a million. You know what I mean? And the only reason why 
that piece of cardboard is worth $1.2 million is because there's someone out there that's willing to pay $1.2 million for it. The market dictates the price and value of something, literally. So, and, and you know, you talk about Gary Vee all the time, like earlier, um, Gary says this all the time, the market is the market. The market will never lie, right? And so if, if someone is willing to pay 1.2 million for a piece of cardboard, there might be someone out there that's willing to pay 1.4. Mm. So the, the dude with the 1.2 might flip it and say, you know what, I'm gonna, make, I'm gonna be up 200 racks. Let me sell it to this guy who wants it for 1.4. And then it just keeps going. And then some rich asshole comes in and says, I'll, I'll buy that from you for 2 million. Now it's sold for two. Now it's worth two, right? So all of this is about um, how much someone is willing to pay for a particular product. So how do we do that with digital? How do we PSA grade a digital product? Well, it's called blockchain. So basically what blockchain does is when you upload a file to a server, right? Let's say there's a, there's different servers now, um, but let's say OpenSea, right? OpenSea.io is one of the most popular NFT website um, servers where you can store and sell and buy stuff digital. So when I upload, um, let's say for instance, the nifty loop, right? When you purchase from my website on, on nifty on loopnifty.com, there's automatically whoever purchases that loop, that transaction gets recorded on a blockchain on a pub. It's called a public ledger. Meaning that people, anyone can click on that unique ID number that's created for that transaction and they can say, okay, Illmind uploaded this file at, you know, 3.45 p.m. Friday. JB purchased this loop, you know, at 8.46 p.m. Friday for X amount of dollars at this time. This is his wallet address and this is Illmind's wallet address. And then at 8.51 p.m. Friday, Illmind transfers digital good to JB. Now JB has the digital good ownership. And then on top of that, a certificate is generated with my signature saying Ramon Illmind Abanga Jr. certifies one of one digital good to JB. So now what happens is you in, in the court of law, you can prove that you have the authentic version of that loop. Now, whoever else gets the loop, they can fuck with it, but they can't release it because in a court of law, they can't prove that it's real. Just like the Charizard card, where I can have a bootleg, but if it's not PSA graded, people are not gonna pay 1.2 for that. They're gonna pay 1.2 for the real shit. So to me, when you incorporate that with loops and music and what we're doing, I think that's, extremely powerful because now what we're able to do is we're authenticating our digital IP, our, our intellectual property. We're, we're, we're authenticating the, the original thing, right? Mm. So let's say, I don't, I'm not saying to do this, but let's say, you know, people can publicly see that you own the real nifty loop from Illmind. Now all of a sudden there's like someone who comes in and says, yo, I'll, I'll buy that off you for 10 racks or I'll buy that off you for 15, right? So it's the value of that loop is now increasing because there's people that are willing to pay X amount of dollars for it, right? And it could be anything. It really could be anything. It could be 
a you know an mp3 of me fucking coughing or whatever like but if someone's willing to pay for it that's how much it's worth it doesn't have to have a use case but for me like it's a loop it, there's an actual use case so i also decided to make these loops royalty free right i know there's a lot of controversy with royalty free master clearance but to me i feel like if you're going to pay a premium for for an original illmind loop I would like for you to keep the publishing and the writing credit and all that stuff if you want to. So it really is true ownership of a loop that you own. Mm -hmm. You can do what you want with it and it's public information. It's on the public ledger. So I hope that made sense. No, nah, bro, you explain that joint like okay. you know, textbook. Okay, good, 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 good. So, okay, it's, it's, I, it's two things. Mm -hmm. One, just imagine if uh, Q Beats pull out a nifty, uh, nifty loop. Oh, man. Oh, Q, no, no listen, I, I've been trying to tell those guys to put packs out for years and they refuse. But hey, I seen you because uh, I mean, I was talking about it with Dylan when you did this. It was like last year, a couple months ago, you had put out a pack and it was like only two people get this pack and they bid it on it. I just thought that joint was hard, bro. Yeah, like, thank crazy. you, man. Yeah, thank you. That thank joint you. hard. So, okay, royalty free. Mm -hmm. I, I do want to talk about that because I see a lot of producers like, they love royalty-free loops. Like, they'll get a royalty-free loop. But if you flip it, and as far as thinking about producers who actually sell royalty-free loops, it's not too many producers. It's companies like Splice or, like, Producer Grind or, like, you know, producer companies do it, but not a lot of producers. And I feel like they do it because of, you know, like, oh, oh it get placed, I don't get no credit, woo, woo. But I don't know, man. I feel like, I, I mean, just for me, like, I feel like royalty-free do make a little, little bit more... You know what I'm saying? Like I feel like producers start thinking kind of in a company mindset, then that's another way to just advance in the sample game. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of controversy and and like pros and cons with it, with with, with royalty free. But I think that if you approach it the right way and you know exactly what you're gaining and what you're losing, mm -hmm. then as long as you understand that part of it, then I don't see any reason to not try doing it. Right. Like you have to understand royalty free is a big deal. It's Thanks. a huge deal. Like to give up your publishing and your points and your rights is a huge deal. Um, and you don't feel that you don't feel it. It's like someone punch your gut. You don't feel it until your royalty free loop ends up on a Drake album. You know, you don't uh, feel true. it. I mean, true. that's 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 like 1.2, 1.5 that you're feeling that right. you don't get, right? right. Um, and so it, you, it's a give and take. Like, if you're gonna if you're gonna give royalty free loops, I mean, at least strategize on what you're getting, what you're gaining from it, right? I mean, not everything is like give and receive, but like at some point you have to be smart with business. So it's like if I do royalty free, I'm acquiring emails. Or I'm yeah, building on my email yeah. list, or I'm doing something nice for the community because I want to, or, um, you know, I'm I'm rewarding my top, uh, purchasers, you know, my top buyers or whatever, like with some royalty free stuff, whatever it is, right? And for me, like with the with Loop Nifty, I made them royalty free because I feel like if you're gonna pay a premium, like I'm willing to take that risk, like I'll take that L. Like if you buy one of my loops and you get a huge placement and make millions. Right. I'm not entitled to that. Like you get to keep that, but you also paid, you know, 10, 15, 20 racks, whatever it ends up being up front. So you took that gamble. You deserve that, that W not me. 
Like I got my W, my little W compared to yours. So there's a risk in it. So I want to reward the person if they get that W, um, cause it's a high risk thing, but the reward is phenomenal. You know what I mean? So yeah, like, yeah. um, it just know what you're getting from it. Just be, just know what you're giving up with royalty free. That's what I'll say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, just, just explain like, like when you be thinking of these ideas, like where, where you at? Like, um, man, yeah. just like, <laughs> you, I don't know, man, taking a shit. Like, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> like, bruh. I don't know, man. It's just like, bro. It's like, it's like the way you selling. It's like the way you selling it right now. It's like, I'm like, I know you said it sold out and shit. Yeah. Waiting list or something. Yeah. It's like, bro. I producers like, you just need to take that, man. It's not just about. Here's the product. You know what I'm saying? Nah. Nah, bro. It's like that right there. Like, bro. I should rewind that and just see like the way he just explained it. Like, you want a lifty loop right now? I want mm-hmm. a lifty loop right yeah. now. You feel yeah, me? Yeah. You know, I think, and you know, I think what helps, like, and this stuff is not that hard, right? It's like. You, you just have to, you just have to approach things with like a few concepts in mind, right? So you think about, okay, and, and it's kind of a, a summary of like what we talked about today. It's like, okay, I want to sell something, right? Like I have this thing that I want to sell. Okay. So the first thing you want to figure out is like, okay, what's the problem? What, what exactly am I contributing to society by like selling this thing or giving this thing that I'm about to give? And if you can identify that, then you're halfway there. You're like, okay, there is a problem and I can definitely help people solve this problem. Whether it's a royalty-free loop packs, whatever it is, drum kit. And then you ask yourself, okay, is this something that um, is, uh, is this something that I would use? Is this something that can help me, right? Because I experienced the same problem. So is it, is it not only solving the problem for other people, but is it solving my own problem, right? And if you say yes to that, then, then you're on the right track. And then the third thing is just in, in, the, in the most simple way possible, try to just explain to people why you're doing it. And, 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 and you know, again, it goes back to what we were saying. Approach it to where you're telling people why you're identifying the problem. You're telling people why you're doing it. This is what it is. Go. And if the artwork is good and it, enough people see it, they're going to talk about it and word of mouth is going to spread. Then um, you have a good chance of it catching. You know, you have a good, good chance of it catching um, for a little bit at least until it grows more. So that's what I would say, man. Like, don't, don't wrap, don't try to think too deep on this stuff. You know, I think it's like, if you have something great and your product is great, just show people a different side of yourself and, and, you know, tell people why, why you're doing it, what it is and see what happens. I know you were talking about this um earlier, but we didn't really fully cover it. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. Uh, when, when you got hit us up, to do, uh, when you said you was going to do an interview, it was like three days ago. Yeah. Three? Yeah. yeah, Literally. I right, So I asked my friend, I was like, yeah, what should I ask Ilman? He sent me this video. And I seen you and T minus got them talking in a I don't know, but yeah, yeah. black power. So like yeah. what is, what is that first of all? Okay, yeah. So um I actually so I built um uh I built a virtual reality, um basically like a, a virtual reality house with a studio in it. So um I've been really like fascinated and obsessed by like the metaverse and virtual reality, augmented reality. 
Um, and uh, I just wanted to create something fun. You know, during pandemic, um, before pandemic, I was supposed to go on like this little tour where I'll go to different cities and book, you know, studios and invite producers to come and we'll do past the aux and people will play music and network and eat pizza and all this shit. And when pandemic hit, I was like, fuck, like that shit's over for a while at least. So that's when I started jumping on Twitch and started doing all this online stuff. So earlier this year, when I was really, really, really getting into like NFTs and blockchain and stuff, I was like, man, I want to figure out a way to bring people together in like a virtual reality thing. And I was like super ambitious, but I'm like, I need to figure this out. So I had linked up with this woman named Krista Kim. And Krista Kim is an artist from Canada. And back in March of this year, she had sold the first ever virtual reality house called Mars House, um, which was an NFT. So it was literally like a virtual reality house as a VST, uh, or I'm sorry, an NFT. Uh, NFT, sorry, non-fungible token. And it sold for half a million dollars in Ethereum. Yeah. So she, she made half a million dollars on the virtual reality house. So it started getting all this press. She was on all this like, you know, stuff, whatever. And uh, I had um, met her through a mutual friend and uh, we got to know each other. And she was like, hey, ill, like, you know, um, you know, like, I love what you do, blah, 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 blah. And so me and her came up with this idea. I was like, well, what if I hosted an event inside of your Mars house that you sold for half a million dollars where I invited upcoming producers to come in, play their beats, play the music. I'll give them feedback. I'll mentor them. We'll talk, whatever, network, have fun. And she was like, that is amazing. Let's do it. I know the perfect platform. It's called spatial.io that will host the 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 avatars and you can invite people just like zoom like when you click a link and you go to zoom it's the same with spatial you click a link and then you're inside the virtual house with like a an invite code or whatever and so we did it we sold some tickets uh, as nfts um on OpenSea, and uh 20 people ended up coming and we did it and we filmed the whole thing and it was this whole you know thing there was a lot of press behind it and then so after that event i was like I need to build my own house. So I went on, did some research. I found this um, company named uh, M2 Studio who specializes in building virtual reality real estate, like houses. And I was like, hey guys, like I want to build like a studio, like a house, like, you know, with a pool and like, the, you know, I want the background to look like, you know, um, uh, what's it called? The elf land in, in, um, in um, what's it called? Lord of the Rings. Uh, what is that place called? I don't even know with the waterfalls and I wanted the whole thing with the studio and the Gucci chairs and the Gustav Klimt painting and all this shit. And, uh, and we did it. They pulled it off in like literally three weeks. Right. Um, and, uh, and then from there they, you know, gave me the ownership and then I just started hosting, a f you know, open houses and little events inside of my, my virtual reality house. So right now I'm just like, it's really early. Like we're super, super early with the VR shit. But my vision for it is to be able to like collaborate inside of there, make beats, you know, create ways that like I can have the, the VR goggles on and but have like an actual keyboard like in my room to where like I can play the keyboard, but then 
inside the VR house, they can see what I'm playing and then also play along with me when like being across the world. So this is the, this is the type of technology that, that we're actually like exploring right now to try to open up the, the user experience for VR. Um, so yeah, it's still super early, but like my mind is kind of like super curious in that direction. Like where can this go? Even though pandemic is kind of like ending, it's like, I think ways to collaborate online is only going to increase more and more and more. So, yeah. Yeah. This man into GTA mod and Discord <laughs> to a whole different level. Yeah. yeah. I don't even know too much to ask on that. Or you yeah. really explained all that. Yeah. No, it's, it, it's crazy. It's uncharted territory. So I'm still definitely learning more about it. So VR is when you put the glasses on. That's mm-hmm. what that is. Goggles. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. But then they have augmented reality too. So I mean, let's move into like the production side. So mm-hmm. I did post on Instagram. I was like, what's some questions? Mm-hmm. that um people had and one person said what's the best way to overcome unfinished beat disease that's what he called it Ooh, unfinished beat disease uh to me okay so this might not apply for everyone but because it is case by case but to me when you look at something that you look at you feel like it's unfinished it you're you're it's not that it's unfinished it's that you're in you're kind of unsure about it so there's something there that you're just unsure about and when you're unsure about something a lot of times not every time but a lot of times when you're unsure about something it's because you're you have fear of something mm-hmm. right i know i'm getting a little deep with this but bear with me so if it's not finished you're, you're, it's, something's missing, you're, you're unsure, you're a little scared, you're a little fearful. And then when you start to dig a little deeper, you realize that like, it could be that you're trying to do something, but you're afraid that it won't sound as good as you want it to sound. Or it won't sound as good as whatever beat you were trying to make, right? Like, oh, I'm trying to make like a Drake single. Like, like you know? I'm trying to make, you know, fair trade part 10, but like, it's not sounding like that. So you're feeling insecure about it and fearful that it's not as good. So then you're like not finished with it and you don't know what to do with it. So I would say like nine times out of 10, if you're, if you have beat block or like, you're not really unsure about finishing a beat, like take it to an emotional level and try to think about like, man, like, why am I not finishing this? Maybe, maybe there's like something deeper going on. You know what I mean? Um, it's not just like a surface level solution where, you know, one plus one equals two. It's like, no, like get emotional about this shit. Like all this shit is all emotion. Like we're human beings. Like everything we run on is everything is emotion. So like chances are whatever issue you're having is some type of emotion that you're feeling that you want to identify, right? Try to identify what it is. Like, am I scared? Am I fucking insecure? Like, what is it? Like, why am I feeling like this? Um, and then once you can identify the emotion that's blocking you, then you can find a solution. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Right everything is emotion. Crazy. Tough. Tough. Mm. It's all emotion. Next question, producer asks, I don't know if it's true though, but when I was listening to a couple of songs, I realized they said, why don't you use a beat tag? Oh, why don't I use a beat tag? This should be good. Um, I just started playing around with beat tags. Like, uh-huh. uh, I play around with putting like a little eagle on it. Um, like a little eagle sound I've been fucking with. Um, I also have a tag from uh, a Netflix show that I did with uh, this this Filipino comedian named Joe Coy. Um, he's a 
real big comedian, good friend of mine, amazing dude. Um, a couple of years ago, we went to the Philippines where I'm from. Well, I was born in America, but I'm Filipino. And uh, we went back to the homeland and we filmed, he's a comedian. So we filmed this Netflix special called In His Elements. And he flew me out to do this uh, scene where I get into the studio with like an upcoming producer and upcoming artist in the studio and, and mentor them, guide them, see guys, be the guide to, <laughs> to help them create a song that Joe Coy will walk out of his bit at night during the performance to that song. So I helped them produce it. So uh, there was a, a, an artist in there and uh, in the scene, she was like, she was like, I was just, she was in the booth, right? And I was like coaching her. And then she goes up to the mic and she goes, she's young. She's like, you know, 14 or 15, 13 maybe. And she's like, she goes, Ilman, you're my Lodi. She goes, Ilman, you're my Lodi. So I turn around uh, to Med Messiah, the other producer that I was mentoring. I was like, what does that mean? And he was like, you know what Lodi means? I was like, no, no, no. What does she mean? And he was like, Lodi is idol backwards, L-O-D-I. So, and he's like, that's what we say in the Philippines when we like show respect for someone, we call them our Lodi instead of idol, you're my Lodi, which I thought was super hard. So basically, long story short, I took that little snippet, Ilman, you're my Lodi, and I made that as my my tag and like some of the new shit that I'm doing. Um, so yeah, I've been messing around with it, but like, I don't know. I, you know, I, I'm fine without using tags. I feel like a lot of times, sometimes not for all people, but sometimes tags could like date you. So like, if you have like a really hot tag at any given moment in time and you're going crazy and you have this crazy high, like that's amazing. But then it, 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 it sort of like, it keeps you in that era, mm. right? So it, it, it permanently stamps you as the cool thing that in that particular time. And if that particular time is 2013 and it's 2021, then like your, your people look at you as like, you're not cool anymore. It's dated. It's an old tag or whatever. Um, and I'm not saying that happens to everyone, but it, that's a potential issue you can run into with tags, in my opinion. So um, I'm not like super big on them personally, because like I'm all over the place, dude. Like I just make so much different types of shit. Like, you know, I don't know. It's just not like I'm not really big on them. But if you could get one going crazy and go crazy with it, like be my guest. Like, that's amazing. You know what I mean? And shout to everyone who does have tags. That fuck with it heavy, but I, I would say just be mindful of that. And <laughs> we had asked Nash, then they flamed him, they flamed him for it. Well, what he say? He said the same exact reason, yeah, just he explained thing. it a little bit different than you said. He uh, just said, Man, those shit's outdated. You know, uh, what I really, you know what I realized though? Like, some some producers like Metro, Wheezy, they update their tag. You feel me? They do, yeah, they really yeah. Do. and that, that, that's to get about it. I feel like that brand's so big though. Yeah, no, they're at the guys yeah. like that. Like they're at the point where they have enough memorable hits, memorable songs, to where it's 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 gone from clout and what's red hot. You know what Jay Jay Z Hove talks about red hot space. They went from like the red hot space to like they got their jersey on the rafter. You know what I mean? Like Muster got his jersey on the rafter. Um, Mike Will jersey on the rafter. Uh, Metro, Jersey on the, like these, you know, London, you know, they got their jerseys on the rafters at this point. You know what I mean? 
and it was so funny because um i was talking about this the other day how like when you think about um producers that like have a run and then they kind of disappear for a while so and then sometimes they come back some producers disappear forever um and it just fluctuates for everyone and the thing that i realized is that one of the and people might disagree with me but one of the only ways to maintain longevity as a as a producer and and continue to be relevant is having some type of song that you produce that has a lot of substance because the thing you have to remember is like if you're if you're producing stuff and you're tailoring to like you know 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 year olds, like 14 to 21. And it's all like turn up music, right? Which I love. Like, I love that shit. Like, part, I'm like, I'm like a strip club, like fucking king, like not king, but like, I'm, I love the strip club, right? So, like, when it comes to like turn up stuff or whatever, like, I get it. And when you're young, that's what you do. Like, you're supposed to be turned, right? Like, yeah. you are. But the thing you have to have to have to always like remember is that like eventually you're going to get older and the same uh, kids that followed you are also going to get older. And when they're 28, 29, 26, 30, 32, 31, they're not going to want to listen to the same shit. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you can manage to to ride the wave with them, then you can maintain longevity. And so when you're at that age, what makes you continue to be relevant is something with substance, right? A record that, that just like, um, impacted people emotionally. See, we're going back to the emotional thing, right? Like if you're turn up, turn up, turn up all the time, you're satisfying the turn up emotion, but you're not satisfying the, you know, damn, like I really felt that. I really felt that in my heart. Like I'm going to remember this for the rest of my life. I'm going to tell my kids about this song. If you could make a song that you want to tell your kids about and you produced it or you're part of that, then you're going to be here for a long time. And when you look at the top five, right, I'm talking rappers now. But if you look at Cole, Kendrick, Drake, Kanye, who else is there? Um, all, all those guys, right? They all have songs that, that hit you there. I'm not saying they don't have turn up songs. They have all the above. Um, and Drake is a perfect example of someone. I mean, he's got songs that hit you here, but then he also has the turn up mm -hmm. shit, all these different emotions. So he was able to grow with his audience without being quote unquote irrelevant to the youth because he's, he's covering all the bases, but he's got those classic songs. So I would say like, this has turned into like a thing for rappers, but I would say, man, if you're a rapper, think about that. Think about just like, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to market to like 15, 16, 17 year old kids, whatever, like create some, turn up, do the whole thing. Do you, you know what I mean? Made it out the mud, all this shit. Like, I love that. I want to hear that, but also give them like hit their, hit their heart. If you could hit their heart, they're going to remember you when they're 32 and you're <laughs> yes. 34. When you're 34 and they're 32, they're still going to fuck with you because of that song you did when they were 18. They're not going to remember you for being in a in a fucking club, right. turn into your shit. They're not gonna give a fuck about you when they're thirty two. But if you if you hit them with some emotional shit when they're eighteen, they're gonna fuck with you for the rest of their life. Mm. 
Drop some gems, man. Yeah. No, I get facts. one million streams a year later. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> do your turn up shit, and then you know, put put out a couple, drop a couple singles that are you know, drop a love yours. Drop that, a... that's facts though, because think like, bro, ten years from now, people still gonna be listening to Juice World. Hell yeah, facts. you know what I'm saying? Look, look at Juice X, um, Smoke, like they make they made music that hit people here. You know what I mean? I would say it's uh, Cuddy. Oh my God, Cuddy. Yeah, yeah. That's all he does is do this. This is literally everything he does. Every song is this, and and he's the goat. You know what I mean? Kanye, here, goat. Um, Drake, he does all the above, so he's like an exception. Kendrick. Uh, yeah, he's he's one of them. Here, he hits you here, bro. He's top five because of that. Like, so you can't you can't enter top five without hitting them here, bro. You gotta hit him here so that at least dirt. once at least once but if you could do it multiple times you're gonna be a goat one day bro you will okay okay i feel like with tags it's not necessarily like a big problem i just feel like producers because a lot of some producers say like tags they use tags because it's like to save from people stealing my beats but bro that's not it tags is now a way to like identify yourself mm-hmm. and i feel like it's just all about following the trend like the tag to an average listener now it's like okay because now you got Oh, okay. I like his tag. So now I got, I right, look Kevin, turn me up, bro. Look JB, turn me up, bro. Ilmine, turn me up, bro. It's like nah, bro. It's like it's it's all going back to like, bro. At the end of the day, like I always tell people, like, I tell people in my tutorials, like when you learning this shit or like you just trying to like, you know what I'm saying, like grow, copy the formula. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying, like I like copy it, like identify, steal it, but then take the formula and like flip that shit. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying, making it into your own, bro. Just Put like you doing sauce, with the kits. Right. You yeah. know what I'm saying. Put your own sauce. Like, take what's there, take what's working, and create your own version of it. Yeah. That's really all we're doing when we make beats, is we, we're creating what we want to hear. We're creating what we're fans of, but we're doing, like, our version of it. You know what I mean? But also, I'll say, too, about tags, like, tags aren't, well, tags never were, like, the solution to the problem that we all thought was the problem, which is, like, what you just said, like, people might steal my shit, or, like, I want to try to, like, get my name out there. Like, it solves the problem of getting your name out there, but the real, honestly, as producers, if we want to stay relevant and we want to really, like, really, really make an impact, we have to really think about the fact that we have an opportunity to change music and push it forward. If we keep making the same type of beats over and over and over again, these rappers are not going to have a choice because they're not going to know, they're not producing. So, we have to give them the sauce. So if we're creating the same, like we're creating ranch sauce and everyone has ranch and it's delicious. I love ranch. But if everyone has ranch, the artists are, they'll take it because that's all they have access to, right? And, and it's good and they're content with it and they're making money and it works and it's a formula, but it's, everything is ranch, right? But then you got barbecue, which is also delicious. So it's like, we have to cook. We have to take the barbecue and be like, yo, guys, like, y'all are using all, like, the ranch? Cool. Like, yo, I got some barbecue, too. Like, this is good, too. Try this. Right? Trust me on this. And so I think we're at that in the era where, like, as producers, it's our responsibility. I don't care if you're fucking Grammy-winning, fucking top producer, top five, top whatever, to, like, bedroom unknown producer. I don't care who the fuck you are. It is your responsibility to figure out how to push this shit forward. 
It is your fucking responsibility to push this shit forward. Like we can't do it on our own. Like, like, and the artists, we have to give these artists variety. We but, have to open them up. But like how though? Cause okay. So I'm like opposed it. Cause like I see producers say that. Like we, like I see a lot of conversations like, Oh, music the same. Music starting to sound like this, starting mm. to sound like this. And then producers be like, well, we make this, but the rapper's picking this and that. But you saying, nah, bro, you got to make it your mission Stand to your change ground. It. Put your foot down. Stand your ground. Get yeah. to know these artists. Get in their heads. Get into them emotionally. Like, go have lunch. Like, right. have a talk. Don't just email them the beat. Like, pull up on them. Have a talk. Show them what you're working on. Like, sell them the idea. Why am I making this beat? Why? Like, this mm-hmm. is some fucking whatever. This is like a, a vibe, whatever. Like, Sell them on what you're doing. Like, get to know these people. You know what I mean? Like, the best, uh, the best relationship you can have is a relationship directly with the artist. And if you, if you could break through and create that relationship, you have a better chance of getting to that artist emotionally and say, "Yo, like, let's just try this. Like, get in there. Like, just get in that booth. Just do whatever. Like, like, let's just try this new thing." And literally, if you look at the history of music, every time people have gotten together, producers, songwriters, artists gotten together and they trust the producer and they push themselves. They've literally disrupted the entire industry, right? Mm-hmm. Missy, Aaliyah, Timbaland, disruption. Neptunes, disruption. Uh, Drake, 40, Boy Wonder, disruption. Uh, Kanye, Jay-Z, disruption. Um, you know, future... Future Metro, Disruption. Future, you know, Mike Will, Disruption. Uh, Gucci, Zaytoven, Disruption. Like, they disrupted, you know what I mean? They all disrupted. So it's time for another disruption. It's it's time for another one. Like, we're overdue, guys. Like, we're overdue for Mm. a few. We need a few. Do you think the problem is it's more like, because I feel like now producers, the main way to get a placement is like producers third-partying. Mm-hmm. A bigger industry producer, and bro, when I say that, I'm not trying to downplay that because <laughs> I'll sign a producer myself, and it's the same relationship. I'm just saying, like, I think of it. Okay, you want to make a new sound, but you know what Migos want. Yeah. You feel me? Yeah. And you trying to send it to the, their producers, then loops and stuff. I feel like it always go back to building, finding the artist. Mm-hmm. Okay, we I got this sound, you got this sound. Let's combine some. And building with that artist, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? I feel like we got to go back to that. Like, and like I said, there's nothing wrong with like. You know, there's nothing wrong with the with loops and, and like, you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, I'm going to lock in with this main, this producer, and we're just going to lock in, and I'm going to get all these placements. But at the end of the day, like, like you say, you got to have a personal relationship with these. I have placements, like my uh, Tusi placement. I have a placement, but I never met Tusi, never mm-hmm. talked to Tusi a day in my mm-hmm. life. It was straight Congrats, through. Congrats, by the way. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. It was through a loop, you feel me? Yeah. And, like, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's like, I've been thinking about that in these last couple of interviews, like, bro, like, finding the artist and building with that artist, man, because... Yeah. Let's take Nick and Juice for example. That sound, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, I could go on and on about yeah, that shit. Yeah, no, bro. it's true. Like, like find the new talent, like, and build it. It's gonna be a longer thing. It's like what we talked about earlier with the working out, thirty minutes a day. Like, it's gonna take time, but the payoff is gonna be phenomenal. You know what I mean? So, so let me ask you this: Is there? So let's talk about artist Guap Dad Four Thousand. That's how you say his name. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I ain't gonna care. I just started. Like, yeah, I, was, yeah. I just got hipped on it, but. Mm-hmm. Is there a point where you like, first, okay, so how did our relationship start first? Mm, so uh, we just started following each other. I mm-hmm. was always a fan of his shit. Like, I fuck with all the Bay music. 
like everyone up there you know what i mean um so uh i started fucking with his music and we started following each other so we just dm'd each other like yo what's good like blah 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 and then i was in la one day and i was like yo guap what up like i'm in the studio i got a room all week like pull up so he pulled up and we just started to vibe and uh that was the week where i was like inviting different artists to come through and uh then i find out he's half filipino which a lot of people don't know his mom is filipino so then from there we just clicked like it was just like damn half filipino and then we just like clicked on a deeper level and then from there we're like let's do an album and then we put it out on 88 rising it's like big label in asia and we did the whole album and then you know ross and all all this stuff happened so that's how kind of how it happened so what are ways like i think i asked this in one of the last interviews what are ways like you help an artist because we were saying like you might be in a position where y'all make good music but you probably might know more about branding and marketing than the artist does so like what is there any times like you helped you did more than just production all the time yeah every time yeah explain yeah. like a situation yeah every time like um yeah like with the guap dad stuff you know it's like being having that um you know luxury of like being an executive producer of something um, there's a lot more uh, control and a lot more decisions that you could, you know, make with the person. Like you have a say in more things. It's not just like, here's a bunch of beats, like pick what you like and put it together. It's like, no, like let's get in the room. Let's go through some beats. Let's cook up from scratch. Let's think of a concept for the album. What kind of features we can put on the album, whatever. Like, so we're, we're combining our, our resources together. Um, so for me, that's always the goal, right? And so, again, going back to what you're saying, like if you get with the upcoming artist, there's a better chance for you to be able to play that role, that mentor role, where like you can be that person's guide. Like, yo, you need beats, you need production, you need me to, to help you write the most amazing song you've ever written in your life. I'm here to help you do that. And I'm also gonna help you with um, some strategies on like, you know, the aesthetic and the artwork or whatever, like, let's just work on this shit together, right? And I think as an artist, like, you want that. You need that. Yeah. How much time we got left in here? Yeah, we've been mm. going forever. You know I'm here. Though. I don't know how long we've got this room. Yeah, I don't know. So I seen you posted on Instagram mm. um, that you be locked in with Russ. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and explain, like, how, how did y'all link, how did y'all relationship come about? Um, I, uh, I'm not, I'm not even going to cap. I met Russ through Wanda. Right. Like, so no. we did, we did civil war together. So me and Wanda did the civil war beat together with Jahan Sweet, And, um, Wanda was working with Russ and he, he sent me a video snippet of the song Wanda. Um, he was like, yo, it's crazy. Like this is gonna go. It's called civil war, whatever. Um, and then that happened. And then because of that, I got in contact with Russ we got to know each other. Um, but it's, it's funny with him. We ran into each other a few times in the past, like without even knowing. So like back in, uh, 2012, I did like a South by Southwest beat battle in, where's that in Houston or something or Atlanta? No, no, it was in Houston and no South by Southwest is Atlanta, right? I thought it was in Houston. Yeah, Houston. No, no, that's Houston. Yeah. Um, so I did South by Southwest and I did a beat battle and Russ, this was before he blew up. He was there at the beat battle because he was trying to be a producer. So he like pulled up. It was like me, I forget, Static Selector and a couple other people. 
So um, he said that he's been like a fan of my beats like since then. And then when I linked up with with him again after Civil War, we just like immediately clicked. Um, and from there, we just started going crazy. I mean, me and Russ have probably like 40 songs at this point or something like that that are like unreleased. So, um, and we just made more today. So it's like, yeah, he's just, he's a smart guy. He reads a lot. Uh, whatever you guys have heard on the internet or on social media, anything negative about him is like so stupid. Like it's so twisted. Um, he, he's just super genuine, super talented and like very, very, very much passionate about the music. And, um, I feel like he hasn't even hit his potential yet. Like he's there, but like he's about to go global and it's just going to be insane. This, the type of stuff he played for me is, is unreal. Unreal. So. I already know it's dope having a producer and an artist you cooking up with him. Like, that's, yeah, that's no, I was with him today on. with one of my songwriters and she was tracking some stuff and like it felt weird to me because like I'm the producer. He's the artist, but like he's literally tracking her. Mm. Like he's like, yeah, yeah. oh, he's that's like, crazy. he's like, give me a mic check. I'm going to just check the, the level and put some delay. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, Russ is engineering too. <laughs> like, shouldn't yeah. I be kind of, I should be like technically be there like doing this and he should be like back there having a drink, like coaching, but he's like physically doing it. Like he, all the shit he talks as much shit as he talks, like he, he literally backs it up. And I've been in the studio with a lot of people. That guy backs it up, man. He's, he, he's solid. So one thing I seen you say, you said he got a songwriter. So like, how easy is how easier is it to sell a beat when there's a hook already on it? A lot easier. A lot mm -hmm. easier. Sauce, sauce. I swear to God, that's sauce, bro. Mm -hmm. I swear yeah. to God, it's sauce. Yeah. If you're a producer, find yourself a songwriter who could knock out hooks, um, male and female, and it helps when they not only sound good when they sing, but also could mimic other artists. Mm -hmm. So like, if you're trying to Let's say, for instance, you're trying to write like a hook that you want to pitch to Rihanna or whatever, like have a songwriter that sounds like Rihanna, mm -hmm. you know, because when they pitch it and if it goes through the cracks and Rihanna hears it and it sounds like her, not only is she going to be impressed, but like she's going to like have a good idea of what she's going to sound like on the record. So, um, yeah, songwriter is everything. Yeah. And you can find a lot of them. They're there. Go to SoundCloud. They really the YouTube. easiest to hit up because they the ones with like not too many followers for real. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Build with them early and they need beats. A lot of them need beats. A lot of songwriters are musicians. So they'll play some stuff on piano and you could just tell Thanks. them, yo, just like make a loop, send me the piano stem, send me the vocal stem and I'll make a full beat out of it. And you could just, you guys could just go crazy. And then you find an upcoming artist who could rap on these. Now all of a sudden, you're creating your own wave. You know what I mean? So that's the key right now. That's like kind of what I'm doing now. Like, so I haven't announced this yet, but I, I signed um, two vocalists, uh, one from here and one from Australia. Mm. They're amazing vocalists, songwriters. We've been doing crazy samples with their vocals. Um, and then I have uh, a producer, a loop, someone who makes loops, and then a drummer who's amazing, um, who does insane... Um, like drum packs and he's just an, uh, an amazing drummer and so yeah we just kind of just got the team and now we're just making a bunch of music i got one last question yeah so like i can see you're very like you own your process 
just like you said, Russ, he's engineering. He's also an artist, also a producer. Mm. Like, owning the process, of course, you have to be educated. So I want you to, like, tell producers how important how important is it to be educated in 2021? Um, Man, super important. Super important. You know, it goes back to what we were saying earlier, like, knowing what information is authentic and what isn't, right? Like, you're going to have a lot of good information and bad information. So just try to educate yourself as much. But I will say this. I will leave you guys with this. The best education, the literally the best education, better than Harvard, better than YouTube, better than this, even better than Producer Ground. Sorry, guys. The best education is experience. No just, you have to just jump into the unknown. If you're unsure about some shit, just fucking jump into it. Get in there. I swear Get I, in there, I, bro. I, I went to engineering baby. school. You went to engineering school? Engineering school, nigga. I get out. I'm like, damn, what did I learn? <laughs> I hop in that chair, though. I start learning real quick, mm-hmm. though, bro. You feel me? But the, the cool thing about school is you can meet other people. Yeah. That's probably yeah. the most valuable thing for school is, like, you meet other people that are like you, and then you guys can grow together. You know what I mean? I really just asked, I really just asked them because, like, you know how we, we, we might do a podcast. We might run into somebody and ask them, hey, what's going on here? What's going on here? And they say, I don't know what the hell is going on. That yeah. just says know what's going on for me, but I don't know. But I feel like there's certain levels to success and levels of longevity when you own the process. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's a, true. It's a thick-ass line. Yeah. I mean, look at you guys. Look at Producer Ground, how far you guys have come, right? Like, you guys have hats. You have this. You have, like, you had to, you got, at some point, you guys had to figure out how to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, even with your videos, like what I was talking about earlier, like, the first video you edited was probably trash. No offense, right? Uh, yeah, just like the first beat you made, all of us made was trash. But it had to be. Like, you can't come into it being amazing at it. Like, you have to be trash first. And it's like anything else. Like, I want to build a website. It's going to be trash at first. But you you dove in. So you're, mm-hmm. you're in the process of becoming good, right? Um, or you can pay money to save a lot of time to, mm-hmm. to pay someone to do it who's actually really good at it already. But you're right, man. Like, at some point, you had to figure it out. Like, you guys had to figure out we need to, a studio. How much is that going to cost? We need to get these mics, right? We need two here and one for the guests. We need camera there, a camera there. Now we need to get a few people to be camera guys. Now we need lighting. Okay, we'll get this light. Like, you guys have to think about this. And the hats. Like, how did you do that? Like, you got to figure out a manufacturer, you know, print on demand, whatever it ends up being. How much are we going to sell it for? What's it going to cost? What's our profit? What's our overhead? Mm-hmm. How many hours of work are we putting into this profit? Is it worth it? You know what I mean? Like, if you're spending, uh, you know, one full week producing hats and you sell them for $30 each, but they cost $20 to make and you're selling 100 that's $10 profit times 100 That's $1,000 for one whole week of work. Was it worth it? Is it worth it? Thanks. So the, if, as long as you're mindful of these things, like, you can build a business. You could. You just have to make smart moves. Mm. Yeah. All right. So this is the third time we just said this. Our last question, but yeah, yeah, for sure. For producers, I'm young, or I'm not even gonna say I'm young. Mm -hmm. I'm a producer. I fuck with Ill Mind. What's my best way to get Ill Mind's attention or to or to work with you or start building a relationship with you? Oh man, you know what? There's a lot of different ways, man. Like DM, I I respond to as many as I can. So DMs, um. Just engage with my community. You know what I mean? Like, if I post some shit on Instagram and you fuck with it, like, show some love and I'll try to show some love back. You know what I mean? Um, 
send me beats. Like, you know, I try to promote whatever I have going on as much as I can. You know, the algorithm hates on me, but I try my best. And so if you see something I'm like, like, you know, showing or whatever, like engage with it, you know, because my whole thing is ultimately for me, it's like, it's not even about getting to know me. Like getting to know me is cool, but like what it's really about is using using me as the platform to meet the people that you really need to meet, which is your peers or this musician or this producer or this rapper, whether it's in my Discord or in my Twitch or in my comment section. Like, it's not even really about getting to know me. Like, fuck Ilmai. Like, but use my platform to meet other people. Mm-hmm. That's That's literally why I do everything. Because I know that law of averages it's impossible for me to help everyone literally impossible there's only so much brain capacity i have to really help someone but if i could use my influence to create communities where people can come in and meet me which is cool but also meet 10 15 20 30 100 200,000 other people that they can build with that's where the real that's where the real sauce is so that's always my goal. Like, forget about me. I'll, I mean, we'll say what's up. We'll, 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 you know, we'll talk. But like, it's not really going to be worth anything. You know, engage with my community. That's where the real mm. magic is, right? Play with the like, hang out with the heroes. I'm just like the guide. Like, I'm like the old washed like guide trying to help you. But like, go pl- go hang out with the people you need to hang out with. Mm. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. And there you go, man. Yeah. That's a wrap. I ain't got too much to say, man. Appreciate you for hopping on the show, bro. Yeah, of course, so, man. We could have went another two hours. Fast, no cap. Like, no it's, cap. It's, it's, a long, it's a long night. Um, shout out to Producer Ground. Let's go. Yes. <laughs>